get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Time now for the BK and Ferrario podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I think a win like this going into Green Bay. Guys, they've beaten the Green Bay Packers now three times in a row. This is not by chance. They've beaten them three times in a row. They beat them twice last year. And now they go into Green Bay, a, a, a big game tonight on Thursday night, and beat them again. So this team is on the come. I think they understand what they're dealing with. They don't get ahead of themselves. That's what I like about them. They do not get ahead of themselves. That was Herm Edwards yesterday on ESPN after the Detroit Lions pick up a massive victory. I thought that thing was like well over at halftime, Alex. Hell, at the end of the first quarter, it felt like it was over. So I switched over to the hockey game at that point in time. By the way, he's Alex Ferrario. That's Tanner Hendrickson, and I'm Brandon Kylie. The boys are back. Welcome back, man. For a Friday edition of the show, heading into this weekend. BK will be off Monday. We'll see. <laughs> Game time decision for me. <laughs> Upper um, body injury. <laughs> I'm very rarely here on Mondays, as you guys know lately. Me too, big man. Big win last night for the Detroit Lions, Alex. My big takeaway was this. Man, the Lions have established themselves at this point, in my opinion, as one of the five elite teams in the NFL. I believe there are five of them currently. I think it's two in the AFC and three in the NFC. In the AFC, it is down to the Dolphins and the Chiefs. Now, other teams can emerge in this group. It's almost like our circle of trust in baseball, where you've got certain relievers that are in and out of that trust, but it's it's hard to gain the trust. It's a little easier to lose it. Right now, there are two in the, in the AFC for me. In the NFC, it is the Eagles, the 49ers, and for me, the Lions. This offense is every bit as good as it looks to be last year. I was wondering if they would be able to follow that up. We've seen this with Sean McVay and Jared Goff in the past where one year, look over here. This is amazing. And then the next year, it's like, whoa, what happened to that offense? Short circuit of Jared Goff. I had a little bit of fear of that happening there. It hasn't happened. That offensive line is incredible. They have a legit number one wide receiver in Amon Ross St. Brown. And they're getting just enough out of Jared Goff so far this year and an improved defense for them. Alex, what did you see last night from the Detroit Lions? How high are you willing to go with them in terms of their expectations? You want to know what my takeaway is from last night? Strap in, boys and girls. This is going to be Remember my office ran a couple of days ago? Hey, hey, let him cook. Yeah, let me cook because this is about to get wild. Dan Campbell's a terrible head coach. What? Plain and simple. Bold right. take right here on a, on a Friday. I didn't think that was the take you were going to leave That's the take with. I'm going to take with because how the hell do you draft a running back 12th overall and then out-snap that running back 32 to 12? Don't give me the dumb excuse of, oh, well, they're winning, Alex. Yeah, the, they, were the also, excuse. they were also winning when Gibbs was getting 43 yeah. snaps in a game when Win, Montgomery was out. Wins, losses, they don't matter. It is so dumb. That they don't use Jameer Gibbs more often, specifically in the red zone, specifically where he could pick up the most points for somebody who might have drafted him in the first round. You know, I don't have a master's or anything. In fact, I only went to a Juco college. True. (laughs) Yeah, LC, writer. Uh, (laughs) I think. What? 
I think he might have him on his fantasy team. Maybe I drafted him on two fantasy teams. Maybe it was in the first round. Maybe I was told by a lot of people that Jameer Gibbs was going to be the next coming of LT in the running game. And it has not happened yet. No, Lawrence Taylor is where I was going with that one. Lawrence Taylor. He's Lawrence Taylor. Lawrence Taylor on the the field. But, like, we're talking all the comps of Barry Sanders and not even freaking using Jameer Gibbs. And the game's like a 17-point lead for Detroit. And what's Dan Campbell do? He throws David Montgomery, who's been out for the last two weeks, right back out there for more runs. It is infuriating. Two carries for David Montgomery. It is freaking infuriating. Like, can we give the man a bone in the red zone? He hasn't even scored a damn touchdown yet. Now, now that I've got that on my off my now chest, now you want to get to your good. Now let's talk about the good takeaways it. with this. I'm with you on the fact that Detroit is now above Philadelphia in my eyes of a Super Bowl contender. It's San Francisco, Detroit, then Philadelphia, and that seems crazy because Philly was just there. But now that we're four weeks in, and I know Philly hasn't played yet, but four weeks in, Detroit's offense is more elite than what Philadelphia's offense has been this season. Offensive line-wise, two running back styles with Montgomery and Gibbs. I know I bashed on it, but look, Gibbs is an awesome receiving back, and they're utilizing that. And we're doing all of this without seeing the potential of Jameer Gibbs and also Jamison Williams when he returns from this suspension. So uh, I am super high on Detroit. I believe they are a Super Bowl contender, just like the San Francisco 49ers are in the NFC. Yeah, I'd agree with both of you. I, I I think they are a Super Bowl contender, and you can argue the order between Philadelphia and San Francisco and the NFC of where those three teams line up, but I think they're in that conversation, and this all stems from when they made that statement on opening night. Remember, they took down the Kansas City Chiefs, and we came on the air. You know, they look pretty good, but, you know, Kansas City probably could have won that game if Tony would catch the damn football. Now, now that they've continued to win and continue to play really well and dominate the way they did yesterday— They've definitely deserved to be in that conversation. And golf looks good, and they're only going to get better offensively. We're talking about this in the office. Jameson Williams is going to come back at some point. I think he's, what, six-game suspension? So he's getting close to getting back into the fold of everything. They can run the football well. They've got weapons outside of Williams with uh, Ahmad St. Brown. And honestly, Josh Reynolds looks really good. Him and golf look great together. So they are a threat, and the defense looks really good, too. And Hutchinson's just a difference maker on the defensive side of the ball. Alex said something before the show today that legitimately had my jaw drop down to the floor. He's talking about the Lions offense. And I said, man, their offense has the potential to be one of the best in the league. Like, I I put them in that category with the other elite teams around the NFL. And then Alex looks over. He said, yeah, their offense is better than the Dolphins. I said, can be as good as the Dolphins. I said, whoa there now. Let's use our ears. The Dolphins just scored 70 points in a game. Like seven. And had a chance to score 73. And McDaniel was like, no, okay. Let's not do that. Let's be nice. 70 is plenty for today. Shouldn't have held back. You really think they have a chance to be as good as the Dolphins offense? I do. like, Like, the Dolphins offense has the run game. We've seen it with Mostert. And what what did he say he wanted to be pronounced as? Uh, Devon A-Chain? A-Chain? Yeah. A-Chain? Yeah, he said, I'm, I'm not Devon A-Chain. I'm Devon A-Chain. It should be A-Train because that's what he looked like in that game the last week. Thanks, yeah, buddy. High five on that Air one. Five. But, I, I mean, you'd see those two guys. David Montgomery has been a stud for them as much as I hate it. And then, like, we're not even seeing the potential of Jameer Gibbs. I'd say that's pretty even with each other. Offensive line, I mean, I'd actually lean more towards Detroit. Oh, hold on. What? <laughs> we're even right now? In terms of running game? Okay. 
Yeah, running game. Offensive line. I, I mean, I would still go Miami, but fair. fair I enough. mean, like David Montgomery, and from what the potential of Jameer Gibbs is, I mean, we're talking about legit one-two punch with that. And the offensive line, I mean, I'd lean towards Detroit, but it's just maybe because of bias well, what I've seen last night. Receivers? Well, that's what we're we were getting pretending to. Like if you let me get to it for a minute, don't exist. they do exist, but Amon Ross St. Brown is a stud. He is a distant third of the three receivers that he I had just like mentioned. had like five catches yesterday. Again, like for still a stud. And, I love Amon Ross. And there were not even bringing into the potential of what we saw in like two games from Jamison Williams last season. Which, again, is a distant fourth in this And then the tight end is significantly better than a, what Miami a, has. He is right above, in my opinion, Jamison Williams and well behind Look, Amon Ross. Acts like Miami's a God's gift to the offense. And, the I'll sit there, in the NFL. and I'll sit there and watch Detroit this season and say I think they could be just as good as Miami's offense. They are this year. Remember Baltimore when Lamar had that. Oh, don't get MVP me started season? on Baltimore. That, that is what this Miami Dolphins offense is. You remember what the Chiefs were in um, Patrick Mahomes' first season in the league? That is what this Dolphins offense is. Remember when the Golden State Warriors became the fully formed version of the Warriors? That's this team, dude. We are watching something that has a chance to be historically great. And while I agree that the Lions are good, and this is not to poo-poo them last night again, I think they're one of the five elite teams in the NFL today. They, they are not in the same class offensively as the Dolphins. The reason why I think they might be a better team than the Dolphins when all is said and done is because of their defense. I'm getting worried about the injuries that are piling up in their secondary. Brian Branch goes down last night. That's an injury worth monitoring. Their secondary has already been depleted. But... That is the one thing where I will say, okay, maybe the Lions are a little bit more complete. That defense is a step further than where the Dolphins are right now. But these offenses, whew, that's a tough one for me, man. That's a real tough conversation for me to have. I think the Lions are closer to the 49ers than they are to the Dolphins. That's fine. What, what do I know? What, when have I ever been right? Yeah, listen, hey, man, with my record <laughs> in picking right games Thompson. right now, I have... I would side, by, side with you. I would say that's a fair place to be. Going into this weekend, though, we mentioned the five elite teams in the NFL currently. We did not mention the Buffalo Bills. We talked a lot about the Dolphins and how great they are offensively. Whether you're with Alex, with me, it doesn't matter. They're great offensively so far this year. The Bills have a massive, massive game coming up this weekend. If you can't go out there and look competitive against this Dolphins team, I cannot take you seriously this year as a legitimate threat in the AFC. They've shown me really nothing so far. They, they've had two throwaway games the last two weeks. Toss those off to the side. Week one was an abomination by the Bills. All offseason, their vibes could not have been worse. That's the game for me, Alex, that I'm looking to this weekend where I say that team has a little something to prove to me mm -hmm. the way that the Lions did last night. Who's the game for you where you point to it and say one of these two teams, maybe both of them, have a little something to prove for me to put them into that criteria of being a legitimate Super Bowl threat? Baltimore. I talked about this yesterday. T-Bone doesn't agree with me, but Baltimore is not a Super Bowl contender in my eyes. Like they're in that that next tier of teams that could get to the Super Bowl if the chips fall in their direction, but their offense has not been elite like I was told it's going to be. Todd Munkin has not made that offense high-powered like I expected it to be. Maybe Mark Andrews is injured and it just not has been there, and when he gets healthier, it'll get better. But Lamar Jackson seems a little confused at what the offense is. He's scrambling and it's not picking up yards. The running game is all dinged up. You're taking on a Cleveland Browns defense that has impressed a lot of people. You just lost to the Colts. And I mean, to be honest with you, you beat the Texans in a game that you were losing in the first half. Yep. You beat the Bengals only by three. And we've seen what Cincinnati looks like this season. And then you just lost to the Colts. You blew a lead. 
So I, I'm Ravens are going to have to go out there and put on a show against Cleveland's defense to prove to me that they're an actual Super Bowl contender. For me, it's Jacksonville. And I, the reason I put them in this conversation, I think they're a better team than the Atlanta Falcons. But they're one and two coming off a very disappointing loss to the Houston Texans. And weirdish happens when they have to go play in overseas games yep. because it takes a while for teams to get going in those games. It seems like all the time. And they're over there for two weeks, right? Aren't they staying over there after this weekend? They're, they're going to play another game next weekend, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they play Buffalo next weekend in London. Yeah. Um, but it, we've seen before, like I remember last year talking about, I think it was Tampa Bay and I can't remember who they were playing. But I remember we were all like, oh, Tampa Bay will win that game easily. And it was just slow. It just didn't feel right because these games in London are really just odd games that occur for these football teams. Jacksonville's got to go out and they got to win. They cannot be one and three. And if you're a team that we thought could be a contender for a Super Bowl, you got to go out and you got to show up. Even though it's a tough game in London against an Atlanta Falcons team, you've got to win that football game. Those are the games that we think have the most to gain for teams. We'll talk about some of the other potential upset picks coming up later on today. We will also give you our picks for the week. (sighs) Big week. Big week for your boy. I mean, T-Bone and I just got to like, we're on the bunny slopes on a ski lodge. We just got to basically keep our our legs in and just go down down a double black diamond right now. (laughs) With one ski broken. (laughs) Because you should fix your ski. No, I'm good. I'm good. Right arm's in a sling. It's a blizzard. I can't see out of one eye. Like, it's it's a rough stretch going on right now. And all I need to do is get all three picks correct this week. And BKR, Tanner, and me. Both of you missed two of your picks. The top two picks, by the way, are most confident and second most confident. And if that happens... I will not be punished next week. If that, if literally anything else happens this weekend, um, I'm going to be wearing well, a pregnancy you, simulator on Tuesday. Well, you better start doing a rain dance. I read the directions again the other day, and it legitimately says, like, warning, don't go past level four. Should we not? Uh, there it is. There it is, T-Bone. We said it. You'll be fine. It's a back stimulator. It's supposed to help when your back aches. It's just going to, you know, mess up your abdomen. Yeah. You can't complain. I'm doing a half marathon on Sunday, too, so I'm already going to come in sore next you, week. You can't complain because your wife went through labor and all of those contractions. Yeah. I feel like you are you can complain. No. No. no you no. just got to take it like a man. Yeah. Or, or a woman because, a woman. Yeah. because they're tougher than us. All right. So uh, we'll get to those picks coming here's, up later on this afternoon. Here's what BK is going to sound like. What 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 level does he fall on the ground? Three? Oh, two. Oh, dude. It's going to be so bad. If four says not to, he's going to be on the ground before questions and answers. Are we going to break the record for most viewers to... You guys oh, we might really enjoy seeing me in pain in particular. We might imposter ourselves on YouTube again. We might break YouTube. We'll promote this big. Don't worry. Make I'm sure everybody knows. Week. I'm, I'm just taking the oh, week off. That's fine. We'll give don't it to worry. Karen. She could do it from home. I heard it hurts worse when you're laying down, so probably good you're standing up. I'm going to have to read up on this. You'll have to give me no, some of the, no, no, the no, rules. No, no, no. Tell you what I'll do. I'll, I'll put it on at home. I'll videotape me doing level one, and then it just gets you excited for one through 12. <laughs> <laughs> so that's coming up later today. But coming up next, baseball has a wild card race in both leagues that are taking place right now, and uh, T-Bone's not particularly interested. I'll tell you about it next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Right here, 
season pretty much on the line. Slicing drive, Carter back. He can't get it, and the Mariners win the game. J.P. Crawford comes up huge, and the Mariners' season continues. That was last night via the Mariners TV network alongside Alex and T-Bone on BK. T-Bone hates moments like that. That's what he wants to tell you because he's about to explain why the third wild card does not matter and should not exist. And if it did not exist, that moment last night really wouldn't have meant a whole lot. Because let's be honest, at this point in the season, the Mariners would be not technically eliminated, but more or less eliminated from postseason contention. T-Bone, Major League Baseball implemented the three wild cards last year. I think year one was pretty successful considering the Phillies went on to make it to the World Series. I think you can make an argument, at least in the National League, though. It's not a very compelling race right now when you've got the Marlins, who have a negative 58 run differential, who are currently leading for that third wild card spot, and the Reds, who are going into the weekend at 81 and 78 with a negative 45 run differential as one of the other teams that are still technically in contention for that last wild card spot. T Bone, do you like. What Major League Baseball has done here? Do you no. think this this helped anything? No. You knew the answer to that before you asked. No, man. it didn't help anything. In fact, it trapped those poor Reds fans to continue to watch that poor baseball team instead of moving on to their Bengals. I, I like yeah. this race stinks. Like, really let's just be honest. On? Well, it's fair, but <laughs> they're a little bit more exciting than the Reds. Maybe the Blue Jackets. I, I, no, um, I, <laughs> I, 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 this race is terrible. Like, there's not even excitement around it. Like. I see everything on MLB.com when I'm getting ready in the morning for our show. And I just see all these articles like, oh, they're in the race. I'm just like, oh, my God, who cares? They're bad. They're going to they're gonna get swatted out of the playoffs quickly. Like, I don't make me try and care about this crappy race. It sucks. I don't care about it. Here's where I would have cared about it. If Josh, Hader, if Josh Hader wouldn't have sucked and actually made San Diego competitive they're because, not in a playoff race apparently well they're not they're three and a half games out cincinnati who has lost six of their last 10 games is a half a game out or one and a half games out and the cubs are 77 losses and a half game out that's the part that's crap and like i get it the al1 is a, is better like there's no denying it the al west or the al wildcard slash west race is much better than the one we're seeing in the nl which is like garbage cans floating down the road to see which <laughs> one gets there first but do we really? Which are on fire, by yeah. the way. Yeah, oh yeah, that's true. But it would still be exciting if it was just Houston fighting for Toronto in that last spot. We don't have to we don't have to make it up that oh because Seattle's in it, it's all fun again. No. Let's get the five best teams. Let's quit watering down the product by adding in garbage cans to the playoffs. I'm tired. I don't want to see it. And the sad part about this is, like, the next CBA, we're going to see another team get added to the playoffs. There's going to be four wild card teams? Oh, yeah. That baseball wanted that this last time around. I hate this wild card race. I absolutely hate it. I, I, actually, I don't mind it in the AL. I love it in the American because I, I I think per- it's awesome. When competitive teams are fighting for a playoff spot, I'm all in. The National League is the problem, and it's just because you got all these trash teams that are acting like they're playoff teams. Yeah, you have four teams in the AL right now that are more than deserving of those wild card spots. Mm-hmm. And that's what I find to be really compelling is, like, while I do agree, T-Bone, I mean, we're, we're seeing it in the na- uh, National League this year. There's going to be seasons where a team gets in with, like, 85, 86 wins because of that third spot. And nobody wants to see that team in the postseason. Like, that team doesn't deserve to get into the postseason. But what this also helps is a team like the Astros or the Mariners that's probably going to win 89, 90 games this year and is clearly deserving of getting into the postseason. 
those teams now have a shot, a fighting shot of being able to get in. Whereas previously, those two probably would have been left out. And the Toronto Blue Jays would have gotten that spot. And I know, hey, you don't like it, play better. That Totally fair retort. I like this, though. The, the, the theater that we're going to see down the stretch here, I like the fact that Julio Rodriguez is playing meaningful games right now. That J.P. Crawford had a moment last night in that walk-off victory for the Mariners. I mean, you've got some legitimately intriguing games going into this upcoming uh, series, this, this weekend series that you'll have. You're going to be able to watch in the American League, for example. The Astros are going to be taking on the Diamondbacks in Arizona, where the Astros are battling for a wild card spot. And oh, by the way, so are the Diamondbacks. The Rangers are taking on the Mariners in a series that will basically determine a playoff spot between those two teams. And the Mariners are playing more or less elimination games every single night. That is highly entertaining stuff, man. If you're a baseball fan and you just want to sit in front of your TV this weekend, man, just Get yourself glued in on Mariners versus Rangers. You can't ask for anything better than that. Watch football. Seattle. (laughs) Listen to Blues here on your home for the Blues 101 ESPN. The... The race would still be entertaining in the AL if it were two wild cards. Those oh, Seattle you can hear is two out tonight, right here on 101 ESPN oh, with the got? Diamondbacks versus the Astros. Oh, oh you're going to complain program. about that game? That was good programming by uh, two by one teams. Mike Ryder. Yeah, it's battling for teams. a spot right I, now in contention. T-Bone, you're think, just ungrateful. I, I still believe that the race would still be entertaining, if not more entertaining, if there were two in the in the AL as well, because those Seattle would be two games out. Anything can happen in three games. They would still have a shot. Let's not pretend like all oh, two games. Done. No, they would still have a shot at the playoffs. Houston Not fighting for their lives. A team that is, I don't know if you'd call them a dynasty, but they've been great over since Dusty Baker's been there. The closest thing we've had to a dynasty in this era. Yeah. So, like, I would still, two teams, I would still be fine with it. I think it's better off overall because there are going to be a lot of years where it is going to be watered down. I think the, I think you're seeing more of this American League race is more of a one-off than the NL one. I think the NL one is what you're going to see a lot of as years go along. The funny thing, though, is I thought we were going to see the the American League version of this race in the National League this year because coming into the season, we all thought the National League was the one that was stacked. It's kind of like what's happening in the AFC right now in football where we came into the season. I was like, man, there's like seven teams that are going to be really good in the AFC this year. We thought that about Atlanta, Philadelphia, the Mets, the Brewers, the Cardinals, the Dodgers, the Diamondbacks, and the Padres. And then like half of those teams were terrible this year. So I I think that what you're going to see next year, my guess is some of those teams that had a really terrible season this year, the Mets, the Cardinals, the Padres in particular, I bet you at least one of them ends up being pretty darn good next year and maybe even two of them. And what's going to happen when that happens next year in the National League, you're going to get a more compelling National League wildcard race. So I'll, I'll go ahead and stand me down today. September 29th of 2023, this time next year, you're going to see this flipped. I think the American League very well may still be compelling down the stretch, but the National League will be a very entertaining wildcard race yeah. this time next year. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know who the Cardinals are going to sign. I don't know who the Mets are going to add. I don't know well, what, what the do you are know? going to do. I do know that the National League wild card is going to be highly entertaining next year, and we're getting a very entertaining one this year in the American League. No. I, <laughs> no. T-Bone I, hates baseball. No, I love the game of baseball. You know I love the game of baseball. It's my favorite one to cover. We don't need to make everybody a playoff team. Just cut it back down to two. It's half the league. Dude. I'm with them there. <laughs> not even. It's not even half the league. What yeah, is better than be ba- basketball? What oh baseball is doing uh, right now, I hope hockey never does. 
because this is just they awful. have too many too. Yeah, I was about to say it's basically what the hockey format is already. It's eight teams. Is that what it is in baseball? It's no. seven, six, yeah. six, six. There's fewer teams in the NHL. Six, <laughs> twelve of thirty, and then uh, sixteen of thirty-two. Yeah, well, both suck. <laughs> yeah. Basketball's the worst. Go back so. to one through eight ba- NHL. Basketball is the worst because they've got twenty teams now. That basketball felt so way bad the for the like five teams that missed the playoffs. They said, "Oh, you poor guys. How about we give you an in-season tournament to make you feel like you're in something?" Before we get to the Blues on the other side, is there a Silver. single postseason award that's currently up for grabs? Obviously, National League Cy Young. I think the Cy Youngs are already determined, Garrett Cole and Blake Snell. I think that we have now seen, like, most of the national media that I'm reading, they all kind of seem to agree, like, oh, Blake Snell's in a conversation with Bob Gibson for his last 23 starts. That guy's probably the Cy Young. And then in the MVP, I think everybody's kind of conceded, okay, yeah, it's it's Shohei Otani in the American League, and it's going to be Ronald Acuna Jr. in the National League. Do we all agree? Like, there's There's no more... Nothing up for grabs going into the weekend in terms of the awards? Yeah, I mean, unless you're going Rookie of the Year, but I feel like that's also up for grabs, at least in the National League. I don't know America League-wise. Carroll's going to get it. Yeah, who's the American League? Uh, who knows? Uh, what's Is that his one name up for from grabs? Baltimore? Yeah, oh. Henderson. Oh, okay, Henderson. yeah. So, yeah, I think they're all up for grabs. I guess Coach is the one, the manager is the one you can argue with, but... Yeah, I would say all the major awards, they're all up. They're pretty much decided. And even yeah. when you look at the, the manager of the year, I... I I think we kind of know who that's going to be. I think it's going to be Hyde from the Orioles, and I think it's going to be Dave Roberts from the Dodgers. Dodgers came into the season, and a bunch of Joe Blows like myself said, they're going to have a down season. They're going to win 100 games. I can't, I can't believe that this is happening, but they did it again. They have the second-best run differential in the National League. They're going to win 100 games this year. Dave Roberts is a National League Manager of the Year, and... The Orioles, when everybody thought they were going to miss the playoffs and have a step back from last year, instead they have already won 100 games. So I think those are kind of determined too. See, I think the NL, season, man. I think the NL Manager of the Year one's a little bit more open than it's just lockstep. It's Dave Roberts because I think Council has an argument. I think Schumacher has an argument. I think Lavello has an argument. I think all those guys have an argument. I think Roberts. A lot of people will look at him and go. Got Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, and then like sure he dealt with pitching issues all year long. Yeah, but look at the rest of the lineup. Cool, I, you got two guys now. I mean, now show me the look rest at of the your team. Lineup. Skip Schumacher has, and he's and backing that garbage can Luis into the playoffs. Arise and as much pitching as you could possibly. He's got a pretty ask damn for. good staff for pitching. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I I think he. I think I don't think manager. Look at Miami's team. And look at Baltimore's team, and you tell me who was more surprising. Miami. I thought they were a garbage can. I thought Baltimore had talent. I thought they would they would somewhat repeat what I, they did. I, I think the Dodgers are the biggest surprise to me in the National League relative to what I expected them to be. Maybe that's on me, though. Coming up next. Probably is. The Blues depth pieces last night played their way out of the lineup as much as Nick Ritchie has played his way into it. Alex will explain what he saw in last night's Blues loss in overtime. Coming up next here on 101 ESPN. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. And here comes 
Bedard Athanasiu is flying up the ice. There's the pass, and he scores. Bedard sets up Athanasiu for the game winner, and it ends up being a two-point night for Bedard, and two points on the preseason standings board for Chicago if they win it 2-1. to one. That's what it sounded like right here on 101 ESPN last night on your home of the Blues as the Blues... Drop the game two to one in overtime against the Blackhawks. First of all, Alex, they shouldn't play overtime in the preseason. Oh, you're telling me it should be it should be a shootout. Just immediately go to the shootout. Well, but the problem is they do shootouts at the end of regulation when a team wins in pre- preseason. Well, just get there. That was the first game where they the Blues won against Arizona and they did a three round shootout just to practice, and it was tied. And they told Baruby to send the next player out, and Baruby's like. Why? He walked off the bench. He goes, we won the game. What are we doing? Preseason. Uh, they should do that in this, though. You get five, and if it's tied after that, it's a tie game. Yeah. That's it. And that's 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 the the I don't know why they're even doing overtimes. I, I I didn't need to see that in overtime. That being said, whoo, boy, that Connor Bedard is something else to watch. We'll get to that here in just a minute. Alex, the real story from last night's game, because they had a lot of depth forwards in that one. The Blues did. I don't know that any of them were overly impressive. And as a result of that, I think Nick Ritchie has kind of played his his way onto this team. And I, at this point, anticipate him being a part of the 13 forwards that they carry into the regular season. And my question is really at this point, like, is it Jake Neighbors? Or do they decide, you know what, Jake Neighbors is more valuable going down and getting AHL opportunities than he is as our 13th forward. I I think that's really the conversation to be had here. But you watch these games as closely as anybody right now. What have you seen from some of these depth options that the Blues have for third or fourth line? Not much. And I think that's why, to me, the Blues could cut the roster down to the 13 forwards that are going to be there on opening night and be done with it. I, and I mean, I, I say this with all respect to these guys because I know it's depth and it's a competition, but I've seen multiple games from Ethan Walker, from Mackenzie McEachern, from Nikita Alexandrov, all of these guys that are fighting for that fourth line opportunities. And I got to be honest, like they're just kind of floating out there. Nick Ritchie, when he's out there, his presence is known. And whether it's creating offense, and I mean, look, Nick Ritchie's not the slickest guy with the puck on his stick, but he's a big dude that you can't get the puck off of. But what I think he's made his presence known for the last two games is he takes exception to somebody laying a check on certain players, whether it's younger guys, whether it's Robert Thomas, like he jumps into a scrum immediately. And he's a kind of guy that Joey talked about in the broadcast last night. He's not the guy you expect to go out there and fight every time, but he's the guy that the other team realizes if they do something, they're going to have to handle Nick Ritchie, and they don't want to deal with that. So Nick Ritchie's got offense. He plays the power forward style, and he provides that, and he did that in 14 minutes and 54 seconds. Meanwhile, Nathan Walker, 1342. Mackenzie McEachern, 1150. Uh, Alexandrov, 12 minutes and 6 seconds. Did you know Alexandrov played? I did. I know that you see him on the stat sheet, but I, I by did. watching the game, did no. you feel his presence at any I point? Did I, didn't, I didn't feel that line, and that's what I'm saying. That line was Alexandrov, Walker, and McEachern. And I didn't notice them. The noticeable lines were Thomas, Buchnevich, and Neighbors. Which makes sense. Richie, Bolduc, and Dean, mostly because of what Richie was providing. And then, honestly, I heard Holscher, Gaudette, and Hugh McGing's name more than I heard those other guys. That's not good. It's not good. And so, for me, I think two things happened last night. Nick Richie solidified his spot if he didn't already in the previous game when he fought. But for how he plays, and Jake Neighbors solidified himself as the 13th forward. 
and I said this on post game, people would look at his stat line and say, Alex, he played 19 minutes and 16 seconds and didn't have a shot on goal. How could that guy be on the NHL roster? Because Craig Brewery said going into that game, what he wants to see from neighbors is create time and space for Buchnevich and Thomas. And Buchnevich and Thomas had 10 of the 25 shots on goal. People need to realize that Jake Neighbors is a Swiss Army knife in Craig Berube's eyes, and you can't hone that skill in the minors. You can hone it in the NHL of being a top-line guy one night, a fourth-line guy one night, a third-line guy another night. So, yeah, I, I think the depth guys basically watched Nick Ritchie solidify that final spot on the roster. I'm very curious to see what they decide to do with neighbors, because I think his development will mirror that of like a Zachary Dean, for example, because Dean is not a guy that anybody is projecting to be a top six forward. No, he's a third line center, third, third, maybe fourth line. Center, Tyler Bozak. Yeah. And I think that over the next couple of years, you'll see him treated the way that we are seeing Jake neighbors treated at the beginning of his career. And so if they decide, hey, it's okay for us to just bring neighbors with us, he's going to be on the team, and he's going to play like one out of every three games. Going to finish the season with 30-ish games played at the end of the year, and you kind of get in where you fit in. One of those nights, it'll be on the third line. The next night, it'll be a fourth-line winger. The next night, maybe you're on the second line. Like, he just kind of fits in depending on what the team needs on any given night, depending on the injuries mostly or rest, uh, back-to-backs, those kinds of things. I wonder if they value that the way that you just said more than getting him playing time on that top line with the AHL team. I I genuinely don't know what the answer is, and I don't have a firm opinion. I know this is bad radio. I don't have a firm opinion one way or the other. I do think it tells you a little bit about how they view his ceiling if they keep him here because they would not do that with a guy like Bolduke or Snuggerud or Dvorsky. Those guys are going to be playing Mm -hmm. when they are here. And the same thing is true for like Jordan Walker, right? If he's not playing every day, you get him down to AAA where he can. Mason Wynn, if he's not playing every day, he needs to go to AAA. They didn't feel that way this year with like uh, Alec Burleson at times. Some of those other guys that have limited ceilings, all right, cool. Yeah, they can be bench players because that's probably their future role. That kind of feels the way that they might be looking at Jake Neighbors right now. Uh, ask yourself this question if you believe he should go to the minors. What are you hoping to accomplish with him in the minors? To be a top-line winger? Because I don't know if Jake Neighbors is that. He wasn't drafted to be that. He's a role player, and that's what Barubi wants out of him. He went to the minors. He Last year, 23 games, he had nine goals and 16 points. And I remember talking with Ryan Smith at the, um, at the Columbus Blue Jackets home game, and it's the play-by-play voice for the Thunderbirds, and I asked him, you know, like, does Jake Neighbors make the team? Does he go down to the minors? He said, if Neighbors goes to the minors, he's not going to be here long because he was the best player on the ice when he was in Springfield. So... Where do you get the best out of development with a 21-year-old? If he's going to be a role player in the NHL, is it on the NHL roster to play with role players like Oscar Sundquist and Nick Ritchie and, you know, Braden Shen? Or is it in the minors playing on a top line with Zachary Bolduc and Zach Dean, where when he gets called up, it's going to be in a third or a fourth line role? Like, neighbors played the way Baruby wanted him to play on the top line last night. It was no goals. It didn't have any shots on goal. But he had his teammates create 10 shots on goal and four high danger scoring chances. So to me, Neighbors is on this NHL roster. If he's in, if he's out, that dictates in health and what Nick Ritchie looks like. But I don't know if there's any more argument of roster spots to be had. Somebody on the text line said, guys, go ahead and look up Trent Frederick. Look at the way that the Boston Bruins brought him along. That is something similar to what you could see with the Blues and how they're going to bring along Jake Neighbors. I could see something like that. Yeah. I mean, Frederick is a guy that has a physical presence, has some real goal-scoring ability, and it took until he was 24 years old to really... 
become the 15 to 20 goal scorer that they projected him to be. It took four years of development at and the over NHL 100 level. games at the NHL level. And over the last couple of years prior to the 23 season, he was a guy that was playing every other night, basically. So I, I could see his 2021 season where he played in 42 games. Something like that this year for Jake Neighbors feels about right to me. Now, I think Neighbors is going to be more productive than he was that year. He had four goals and one assist. That's awful. Uh, Jake Neighbors has to be more productive this year when he's on the ice than what Frederick was in 2021. But that kind of playing time, 11, 12 minutes a night, 40 games out of the season, I could see something like that. Let me address one text message that, that just came in. And I haven't had the text line up the last couple of days, and I feel like I was better mentally because of it. But uh, from the 314, two weeks ago, you guys were talking about Jake being a top-line player, and now you're talking about him wondering if he makes the team. He was a bad pick, and they're forcing him into a spot right now. I don't get the infatuation. Because Jake Neighbors was a 26th overall pick in the first round. If you go to that year's draft... He's top 20 among points, games played, and top 15 in goals scored of the 2020 draft. Like, that's more than certain guys that were drafted higher than him. It's not that it was a bad pick. Understand who they drafted. They drafted a guy who, at his best, scored 23 goals in junior hockey. Bolduc just scored 55 goals at junior hockey. Listen to what Craig Berube talks about when he talks Jake Neighbors. Calls him a Swiss Army knife. He says he can do everything for us. He's a physical player. He's got a shot. He goes to the front of the net. He's got attitude. Like he's you drafted he's Carlson. You draft yeah, you drafted a player that had the identity of the coach of your team. And that's the role of Jake Neighbors. He is for the Blues what Dylan Carlson was for the Cardinals. And what I mean by that is people got really excited about the prospect status with Dylan Carlson, and they were like, Oh, this guy's gonna be the second co-. They basically thought he was going to be what Jordan Walker is going to be. And the truth of the matter is, like, that was never the projection. No, nobody projected him to be that. Or Matthew Liberator, who people were like, oh, they traded Randy Rosarino away for him. He's probably, he must be somebody that projects to be a front end of the. No, he. Every projection I ever saw on Matthew Liberator said, yeah, this guy's a super easy projection. He's going to be a mid to back of the rotation starter, going to give you 150 innings a year. And you, there's really not a whole lot of question here. Good velocity. Good big-time curveball, big body. This guy's easy. He's going to be a major leaguer. Now, they may have missed on him, and it might not work out the way that you wanted it to. And the same thing might be true for Dylan Carlson, despite the fact that he had a much better rookie season. But those guys were pretty easy projections that were just like really solid major league baseball players. That sure seems like the projection for Jake Neighbors. He's probably never going to be a consistent top six forward. And that's okay. At In the late half, late second half of the second or the, of the first round, you don't always have to hit home runs. It's okay to hit a single every once in a while. In fact, you have to hit singles every once in a while. The, these types of guys are just as important to a team if they want to pursue a deep cup run than it is getting those top guys. Because yeah, you need you, them while they're young and cheap. Absolutely. I mean, Brandon Saad was this guy. He was drafted in the second round. Now, I don't think Neighbors is ever going to be a 30-goal scorer, but look at what Saad was in his first couple of years with the Chicago Blackhawks. Look at what Saad was when he was with the Colorado Avalanche, and look at what Saad was last year for the Blues. That's Jake Neighbors' ceiling right now. Coming up in about 15 minutes or so, what would it mean for the Cardinals this offseason if they decided to go all in on their defensive alignment? We'll talk about that, what it could mean for their decisions. But coming up next, 314-399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service text line. Ask us anything, sports or otherwise, is next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. You've got questions, we may have the answers. 
Maybe. It's BK and Ferrario's questions and answers on 101 ESPN. 314-399-9646 is the air comfort service tax line for Ask Us Anything from the 479. Where is that? Well, hold on, hold on. I'm going to do the area code 479. I'm going to get it before T-Bone. Uh, Fort Smith, Fayetteville, Arkansas. Uh, Fayetteville. Thanks for uh, listening, Arkansas. Suey. Hate your Suey. stupid football team. God, I hate them. Okay, um, well, don't diss on the yeah. text line. I'm sure Jesus. this guy's wonderful, though. If you could spend a day hanging out with any professional athlete, alive or dead, who would it be? You Um, one day, you get to do whatever you want with them, go hang out, alive or dead, who you going with? Dang. I I mean, see, he's a jerk. I I was going to say, I can't pick Jordan. He's a jerk. No, would be fun, I think. Mine would be Tyson. Dion would be fun. Mine would be Mike Tyson. Deion Sanders would be. Your I think you're getting caught up dude. in the hype right now. Oh, totally am. But I think he'd be great. You to wouldn't hang out look with. good in a cowboy hat, though. I'd look great in glasses, though. I don't think so. I think your your face would match it. You'd have to grow out the mustache a little bit. Yeah, you, for sure. You can't have a baby face with sunglasses, my man. Don't you worry, I could. Yeah, mine would be mine would be Tyson. I think that would be a hell of a time to be around him. Although, if you want to party, Dennis Rodman might be the way to go. Also, that'd be fun. That, I mean, WWF stories, Vegas. NBA, Rodman might be another one. That would be fun. I don't think I could hang with him. Someone said Brett Hall. I know I couldn't hang with Brett Hall. <laughs> I know I couldn't hang with him. I feel like that's more the lane that I would try to go, though. I, I would go personality, where I would want stories. Um, and that's, why, that, that's why I think Tyson would be good for me. That'd be good. I, I, would, I think I would go baseball player in this scenario because of the stories that exist. I might go Tim McCarver. Strangely enough, the guy is an unbelievable storyteller, and I would just try to accumulate as much of those stories as possible. Um, I know that's kind of an out of left field choice, but that would probably be the type of day that I would want. Just, hey, Tim, let's go grab some beers. We'll hang out. And I just want to, like, I'm going to give you a name and you go down the path of where that takes you. Someone said OJ. And you want stories. <laughs> that, <laughs> you going to get some stories. That would be fun. I love me the Naked Gun movies. Those uh, are great. 314-399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service text line for questions and answer, or excuse me, ask us anything. Guys, is Connor Bedard going to be as good as people expect him to be? So I asked Joe this last night because Joe was in college when Crosby came onto the scene. And then, of course, we were all alive. I I was alive with Crosby. I was 15, so I wasn't as into it as as I was now. Uh, And then McDavid in 2015. Joey said he thinks it's going to be less than living up to the hype of what Crosby and McDavid were because he said those guys came in. Crosby specifically came to a team that already had a team that was ready to compete. Yeah. You had Malkin and Flurry that were both drafted, and um, Lemieux was still on that roster. McDavid had Dreisaitl and Hall. McDavid doesn't really have that, although he does have Taylor Hall on this team. I- I'll say it's less than the hype that was Crosby and McDavid, but I do think the excitement is going to be very real for Connor Bedard, watching him last night with the speed and the shot. Yeah, I, I think he's going to live up to the hype. Watching him last night... I'm- even if the Blackhawks are bad, he's going to be a sight to see because he he was incredible last night. The way he can just move down the ice, the shot's incredible. I think he's going to live up to the hype. I was a little skeptical because he is kind of on the smaller statue size. I'm not there anymore. I, I think he's going to be fine. I'm right there with you. Uh, from the 573, guys, game time wing question. 
Do you prefer breaded or unbreaded? Breaded. And what's your flavor of choice for the sauce? Uh, I always was like a like a hot mustard, but I've gotten into the spicy garlic these days. Ooh. It is really good. Hmm. I've tried homemade, and I suck at making homemade breaded wings. I'm terrible at it. See, I would probably go not breaded on the wings. Agreed. I'm really? Yeah. I love on, breaded. Not big on the breaded. I like a good Asian zing or like a spicy barbecue would be the one that I would go with. See, I, I made spicy barbecue wings the other day at, at home, or last week, I guess it was. Mm. See, I never Chef's do barbecue wings. Yeah, see, I never do barbecue wings. Like, barbecue to me is for, like, chicken nuggets. Well... But I use hot sauce for chicken nuggets. Are you talking about the sauce? Or, or yeah, like, like barbecue sauce on my wings. I don't like do it's it always it's like spicy. Got a little kick to it. If it's just like yeah, I guess plain barbecue, I'm, I don't want yeah. that on a wing. I'm typically a classic buffalo sauce, kind of my go-to, um, and I like it unbreaded. You're a classic guy, wings. man. You know, that's right. not a whole classy lot to you. Classic. Not All a whole right, lot to you. From the six three six, is there if there was one sport that you could be elite at, like if you could choose the sport in which you would be great at, which one would you choose? Golf. That's a really good one. I mean, I've got it. You've got a career until you're like 90 and you're making buku money. Golf. I would want to be elite at baseball. I loved playing baseball growing up and I sucked. So <laughs> I, I wish I could have been no, elite man, at baseball. No, I couldn't hit. I wish I could have been elite at baseball. Saw that at softball. What? I, top 10 play made by you. I, I would go with basketball. Being an elite NBA player has a lot of perks that come along with it. Um, and I would definitely want to enjoy all of those perks that are associated yeah. with being an elite NBA player. Like 60 mil a year or whatever that it is they're making now. 60 nice. mil a year is like the 10th player it on an the NBA team. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you could be a bench. You don't even have to be elite. You could be just a solid bench yeah, player. James make Harden's like- going to be making like $50 million yeah. a year. Did you see his party the other day, by the way? Any of the pictures that came out was of that? Was it Paul Pierce-esque? Uh, similar, yeah. God, he, God bless He rented man. out a, a place and had a party and they had a sign that was held up that said, uh, Daryl Morey is a liar. So it was a Daryl Morey is a liar party themed. You got to love it. That guy's making $50 million to do nothing. And, and he's not even a winning player. People always thought the uh, backup quarterback was the elite job in sports. Yeah. But no, it's the uh, it's the ninth or 10th man in the, in the NBA. Yep. yep. Coming up next. Does going all in on defense make the Cardinals a better team going into this offseason? And if so, what does that mean for their offseason decisions? Who does that put on the trade block potentially? We'll talk about it next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. minutes or so we get to our football pick them going into the week it's very simple this week i need to get all of my picks correct <laughs> oh well you lost buddy game <laughs> <laughs> over to start <laughs> alex and tebow need to get their three in two point games incorrect and if all of those things happen i here you come man will not be punished you're, this week you're like the padres you're technically alive you're coming you need a lot you to go right mathematically coming. i am still in play to not be punished next week and if you're curious what is the punishment next week bk well let me tell you um it is a pregnancy simulator well you where you will feel what it is like to go through your contractions during labor. You want me to tell you what the, what the piece is called? Sure. Okay, so it is called the TENS 7000 Digital Unit. That's huh. what it's called. Okay. And it's for... Uh, oh, it's, God. Yeah, it's for... This has like a... Oh, yeah, it's got like eight pieces to put on your abs. 
Yeah. And I watched a video of like guys on TikTok doing it, and no joke, the dude was screaming bloody really? murder. Yeah. Come on, man. I uh, I don't I don't really know what level they were on. I like to picture that it was four, and he was screaming like that. So when BK's at twelve, it's dude. If we get too far, <laughs> this thing is hey, like I tell you what, we're gonna actively like, harming. We're me. gonna have a safe word, and it'll be pineapple. Pineapple, that's your go-to, yeah. huh? Yeah, big pineapple guy. I was thinking unicorn. No. T-Bone, what would yours be? Just don't drop the F-bomb. Uh, I can't promise you that. That's what, dude, so I was thinking about that, like, when we get to the prostate one, and if I, like, I might, dump button better be on alert. You only get one free No, you get two in, like, a matter of ten minutes, so. (laughs) Good luck. Bad part is I'm like the Sopranos. It just keeps coming out. All right, so let's talk about the Cardinals. Because this season obviously did not go as planned for them. Big part of that was their defense, which was atrocious in the first half of the season. Jordan Walker was not prepared to play defense in right field. At catcher, you had a guy that the Cardinals clearly didn't believe at the time uh, was a legitimate major league catcher. Shortstop was up and down most of the year. You never really had a legitimate established center fielder. It was bad. It was all bad. So we heard last week, or earlier this week rather, BT mentioned how the Cardinals might talk to Wilson Contreras in the offseason about moving to the outfield slash being a primary DH. If they did that, it would be because they have kind of reverted back to, okay, we we need defense to be a part of our identity again, right? We can't have a guy that is a bat-first catcher in the lineup almost every single day as our catcher. We're already seeing them building around Mason Wynn at shortstop. That's a defense-first shortstop. Alex, if they continued this trend and said, okay, Contreras going to be a DH for us every day. We're going to have Tommy Edmond as our everyday center fielder. We're going to put Lars Newbar in left field. Brendan Donovan's going to be our everyday second baseman. We're we're focusing on defense here. Does that make the Cardinals a better team in your mind? If they were to to primarily make their decisions around what makes them the best defensive lineup every day as opposed to the best offensive lineup every day. Not unless they go aggressive on pitchers. This all goes back to pitching for me because the shift isn't there, so you can't utilize that. Now, with the defense being at best, maybe it adds a few wins to your record, but you're doing that and you're taking a step back offensively, I would imagine, in this case. And that's what your idea that's what your that's what your momentum was this season of being an offensive juggernaut. You started off the year where we all thought that this offense was going to carry this team. We all remember the Toronto Blue Jays pitcher that said, I don't know how you get through this lineup. That's what the idea of it was. I don't think you can go in the all-out defense direction without suffering a setback on the offense because you're not upgrading pitching enough to do that. If this was the Seattle Mariners and you had all of those pitchers, yeah, I'd say go all defense because you've got the pitching to lead you to the promised land. Unless you go get Yamamoto and Snell or Nola, I don't think you can do this. Yeah, I don't think they should be going towards a defensive mindset because I think – it's okay to have some blemishes defensively. I mean, look at the Philadelphia Phillies. By no means is that a good defensive team. But you look at that lineup and you go, whoa, that is a deep lineup. And I think the Cardinals can have that kind of reaction to where you look at and you may go, okay, Contreras, he's not that great defensively. You know, they're kind of average in center with Newbar. In left field, you got Donovan or Burleson, guys that are average or below average. But I think Walker's going to be better, and I think that I think that's kind of the focal point. If you think Walker's going to be above average next year, which I think he will be slightly above average, I think you're fine. You couldn't have two corners that are below average. Again, I don't think they can do that. But I think Walker's shown enough to where you could go into a season and say, we're confident he's going to be average at worst. 
And I think you can go ahead and do that because you, you look at the lineup, and I, I look at the Cardinals lineup now when they're healthy. Not right now. Whew. Uh, but oh. when they're healthy and you look at the lineup, Alex is right. I mean, I know it was the opening series where the Toronto pitcher said that, but that's a deep lineup where you look at and you've got all kinds of different styles too. You've got Contreras, Goldie Arnado in the middle, which is a really good one to, or a three, four, five punch. You've got guys that get on base in Lars Newpar who's got some pop too, who can hit 20 home runs. Donovan gets on base at a good clip. Gorman can hit 40 home runs. And then you're talking about Walker, which he's going to even be better next year, I would say. That's a deep lineup. That is a playoff-built lineup. You don't need to start getting worse by saying, let's go defensive first, by bringing in a, I'm using Maldonado as a place filter, bringing in a Maldonado who can't hit and is a defensive-minded catcher. As much as like I do like Tommy Edmond, you're better off if he's not in the lineup against right-handed pitching because he just doesn't hit righties well. You shouldn't be work, working on getting worse offensively and trying to become this great defensive team because I'm not sure you're that much better by doing so. And if you're missing bats by your pitching acquisitions, there's less pressure on being a good defensive team. So you guys know I I'm, I agree with you in, in general. Like That is the side that I tend to lean on is get the offense, figure out the defense later. you got to be at least average, but if you've got average defenders in there, you're probably going to be fine. Here's my question, though. T-Bone, Alex, the two of you, would you agree that these are the teams that have a chance of winning the World Series this year? In the National League, the Phillies, the Dodgers, and the Braves. Is that your list? Yeah. Yeah. In the American League, the Blue Jays, the Orioles, the Astros, the Rangers, the Mariners. Is there a team that I missed? No, I think that's right. That's my teams. Of those teams, is it fair to say that none of them have what the Cardinals have in this regard, which is... Of their four up-the-middle positions, catcher, second, short, center fields, the Cardinals, I think, right now have three below-average defenders at those four positions when it comes to Contreras, Gorman, and Newtbar. Of those three, for their positions, I think all of them are below-average defenders. Agree with that assessment? I would push back on Gorman at second. I think he's average, and I would say— I'd say average for Newtbar. I'd say I'd say Newtbar's average or— Average to below average. Sure. Do any of those other teams that I just mentioned have that? Any of them? In the up the middle defensive positions. Let's see. Philly, no. LA. I mean, the Dodgers. What do they got? No, they got Rojas. I know who their second baseman is. And then Mookie has been playing at a decent amount. Mookie's there, but he's going to be in the outfield. And James Outman is their center field. That's right. So So they're there. Braves, no. Yeah. Braves are outstanding defensively. Blue Jays, Blue Jays are above good. average defensively Who's as center well. Fielder? Kiermaier. Oh, okay. Yeah, so they're good there. And they've played. Seattle's I, good. Um, the Orioles are excellent Orioles defensively are awesome. up the middle. The Astros are very good uh-huh. defensively yeah. up the middle. The Rangers are very good defensively yeah, I mean, up the you got middle. gold glove caliber guys in that spot. I'm asking that because I do wonder, like, if that is the way that all of these winning teams are built, is it a chicken or an egg situation? Do you need to be good defensively up the middle or at least above average defensively up the middle? Or are those teams above average defensively up the middle because they got these really good players that happen to be above average? You know, like, can the Cardinals build this way? I, I think it's an open-ended question that we don't really have an answer to just yet. I guess it also depends, like... Do you believe that there's upside of Gorman being more than just an average defender at second base? Do you think there's upside of Newpar becoming an above-average defensive center fielder? I'm not sure there is. I think they're kind of capped out at average defensively up the middle. And if that is indeed the case, they will be trying to win in a way that none of the other contenders across Major League Baseball have. And I, I find that to be a pretty compelling situation going into the offseason. See, I, 
I guess the way that I would push back on that, because it is an interesting thought to follow, is if you had the Braves that had this alignment that the Cardinals had, would they be the same? Would they be a winning baseball team? I think they would be. And I think it's because they have a good pitching staff. And it is, and I think the same can be said for the Philadelphia Phillies. Like if I pluck the middle of that Cardinals defense that we're talking about, and I put Contreras at catcher, and I put Wynn at short, and I put Gorman at second and Newport center, and I just took those four, that kind of like diamond shape there, and I put it on all these teams, would they still be winning with that, that group? My answer would probably be yes. But why is that? Why do I say that? It's because I think they've got pitching that can mask any defensive efficiency. And that's the point that I think the Cardinals have to get to in the offseason to where, yeah, I think with the pitching staff they had, it's tough to kind of mask. The the defense shows. When you're pitching to contact, sure. it shows. If you're striking guys out, you can take some of that away. And honestly, Wynn helps so much at shortstop that to me he kind of, some of his super above average kind of leans into a little bit of second base to where and his range is the incredible. Same for Arenado and Goldie, right? Because yes. you're so excellent. And that's probably the, the counter argument to what I said is, yeah, you're you're not great up the middle. You're probably average at most of those positions. But you have Wynn, who is potentially one of the best defensive shortstops in Major League Baseball going into next year. And you have at first and third two of the best defensively to do it in the game right now. Meanwhile, like the Phillies, for example, they're an atrocity at some of these other defensive positions that we haven't mentioned here. So there are other teams that while they are good up the middle, they have some serious questions like Philly. Look at the corner outfield spots They're It's really bad. And if you look at what they've had at times at like first or third over the years, it hasn't been great either. And they found a way to get to the World Series last year. So it's a fair retort. I wanted to bring this up as a team-building exercise because somebody on the text line asks the natural follow-up question. So, BK, not in your lineup then would be Gorman or Contreras. Which one of those guys are you plucking out out of the DH spot since you have Edmund in center and Donovan at second base? This scenario is how you end up trading Nolan Gorman. If you end up focusing on defense first, what the natural conclusion would be is trading one of Donovan or Gorman, whoever you deem to be the worst defender at second base. And that's on them. I I don't know that there's a clear answer between the two. I think Donovan's value is not so much that he's a great defensive second baseman so much as it is that he's average pretty much anywhere that you put him. I think Gorman might be a better defensive second baseman right now than Brendan Donovan is. And I don't know if Brendan Donovan can throw the baseball right now. Wait till that arm kicks in, though. So when you go to the soft season, if you wanted to be a defense first team, that's probably the natural conclusion is you trade one of those two left-handed bats to be able to go get the pitching that you guys have been running. I think you're putting yourself in a tight situation, though, because we're doing this. You're putting this defensive catcher that you're in there as a liability bat-wise in the middle of your lineup, and when injury takes place, you don't have somebody that can step into that role that provides the offense. We're talking about a Richie Palacio that's going to be helping you, and I love Richie, but in a long Richie stretch— Rich. Long stretch, we're, we're, we're probably talking about some issues here. I, your your identity was offense, and you kept Goldie and Arenado. If you were going down the, like, the defensive path, I think you probably would have moved on from Goldschmidt, and you would have put Walker into the first base position, and you would have found ways to like upgrade in certain areas. You're backing the horse that is this is an offensive juggernaut, which is why I think you have to stick with that pace. Your defense is good enough to win games, especially in this NL Central, with Wynn, with Donovan or Gorman at second place, with Edmund at center field, and I believe with Contreras behind the plate. That's The, the Contreras piece is, I think, the, fir, the fulcrum of all of this. Your decision with him 
has a massive trickle-down effect on every other decision that you're able to make with the team. Because if you decide to put him in a corner spot plus at DH, it means that you have to move on from one of those other pieces that we've been talking so glowingly about. Because they're just there does come a point in time where you're running out of spots in your everyday lineup. And those guys having 200 at-bats over the course of the season, I'm talking about guys like Donovan or Gorman, that's not worth it. That's not a useful way to go about it with them. You would get more value, extract more more valuable from, from them as a trade piece than you are by continuing to go down the road as them being a one out of every three days type of a player. Coming up next, it's time for our football pick em. Pineapple! I need the best weekend possible, and I need the worst weekend possible from the two of them. We'll give you our picks from the week coming up next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Alongside Alex and T-Bone, I'm BK. I'm not well. I am I'm, super I am stressed unwell. out. Man, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm scared. For the first time in a long time, I don't feel great about my three selections. Did you say it's the first time in forever? <laughs> Sorry, I, I I saw Frozen on Ice last weekend. I just... Did you really ask, is that a reference? Yeah. Of course it's go. a freaking reference. When do I make something that's not a reference? So... It's my thing, man. I hate every clever. one of these picks <laughs> this week. Every single one of them. That's why you got to make the right ones. Which tells you everything you need to know about where I'm at right now in this stupid game that we play, which is the Pick'em Challenge. The Pick'em Challenge. If you aren't familiar with the way that this works, we did change things this year. We each get a confidence pool. You rank it one to three. Every week, we select three games from the upcoming weekend. It has to be a Saturday or Sunday game. Well, really, it has to be over by Monday. You could technically, if you wanted to, pick tonight's Utah versus Oregon State game. It's only point spreads. We don't do over-unders. We don't do uh, prop bets. None of that stuff. It's just against the spread who you like. Maybe you should do prop bets. So far, there have been three weeks. Yeah, that would, I would be so much better at props, I promise you. Um, okay. low, again, low bar to clear. Let's, <laughs> sure. be, let's be clear here. I'm the world's worst sports better. There have been 18 available points so far. Someone said you should just concede and get the prostate exam while you're at it. <laughs> nah, I know. Do both at the same time. 18 available points. T-Bone and Alex both have 10 of them. I have six. (laughs) Well, in order for me to avoid a punishment this week, I have to get all of my games correct. And I need Alex and T-Bone to miss their two and three point games. Alex, what is your first? Or you could get your three and two right. And then BK or T-Bone and I miss everything. Like have a little optimism here. Right. I guess. Yeah, have a little optimism. That's probably as less likely as your first option, but go for it. Both are incredibly unlikely. All right, boys, let's start with my first one. Um, I am going to say the Houston Texans plus three is my first pick, my number one pick. I'm not confident because it's Houston, but I believe Houston is the better team in this one. And plus three is the underdog. We've seen the offensive ability here defensively. I don't know what they're hell going to do, but being an underdog on home field against the Pittsburgh Steelers, where the reports are now that they don't trust Najee Harris anymore. And they're looking for another running back. I'm going to back. Uh, I'm going to back Houston here and say plus three. That's my number one pick. I don't mind that pick at all. That's not like bad. That. Well, BK just lost that. Well, 
Sorry, buddy. Sorry, man. My number one pick, I'm going to go to some SEC football. Guys, I got Georgia. Georgia. Name this singer. No, I don't. No chance. Georgia. You can't reference a damn song if you don't know you the can't. artist. The whole day through. I like the Bulldogs. They're gonna. They've got a team in Auburn who, uh, let's just be honest, stinks. They got throttled last week in their SEC opener. Only 14 and a half on the road. I think Georgia comes to play in their SEC game. So I'm going to go with the Georgia Bulldogs minus 14 and a half on the road. I actually don't like that one. Uh, oh, well, I think congrats, that's man. T-Bone, you just won two. Way to go, T-Bone. You and I just won our first game. How could one? The thing that is a why the, the craziest part of all of this to me. This is the start for BK. Can somebody explain <laughs> to me? I'm going to have one of those here in just a second. The thing that I don't understand. The best sports bettors in the world win roughly 50, 50, 55% of the time. Oh, well, you're not one of them. If, uh, no, this is, this is the thing. <laughs> if you had simply bet the opposite of everything that I have told you to do for the last Year plus. 24 weeks of the NFL season, you would be hitting at like a 70% clip. And that's better than me. And I was at like 60% just on right if you followed me. That's impossible. Like you should, that should not be a thing that is possible for anybody to do. I am on a heater of the nth degree of being bad at sports betting. So, yeah, well, well what's next, buddy? <laughs> with, with my first pick going into this weekend, and I've been filtering through a number of them. Just give up, man. I've got two college football picks. Alex, oh. you give me A or B. I'll bleep that, man. <laughs> Give me A or B. I'm T-Bone. not helping I'm you. I'm not helping you. That's how you're going to get one right. Yeah. You need to pick it. <sighs> if I help you, then you win, and then I lose. These are both very big, significant favorites going into the weekend, which there's no way oh, that goes God. poorly for me. Hey, man, don't trust a 14 or more spread. That's what I'm learning. Both of them are. Oh, Jesus, um, you really want to lose. One of them is a team that has been highly underwhelming so far this year by scoring fewer than 35 <laughs> points in every and single BK game. says, let's back that horse. You, the other one is a team them? that was winning by a touchdown against Arizona State last week and is favored by three touchdowns going into this weekend on the road. Are you taking Oregon State again? <laughs> Michigan is one of the selections minus 17. The other one would be USC. Dude, you're like hanging on by a thread. And you're taking a minus 17 and minus 21 and a half picks. So because it's fun, it's the game that everybody's going to be watching going into the weekend. And I'm here for the content. We'll see if it's fun next week. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, listen, man, I'm getting punished either way. I'm not hitting all three of these. Let's be. I'm taking USC minus the 21 and a half. (laughs) Just I've said all along, <laughs> I think Colorado's a really fun story. I don't think they are a legitimate threat in any sort of like college football playoff conversations. I think USC has the best player in the country in Caleb Williams. 15 touchdowns, no picks so far this year. I think they will put on a show in front of celebrities from all across the globe in Boulder. Give me USC. Fight on. Is that why you picked them? Their motto? Fight on? Just because you Well, I've got the play hard thing. Fight on. Yeah, I like it. Kind of. Chew it and do it. No, it's something completely different. That's me. Okay, we're at number two now. Uh, All my picks are number two right now. 
Yeah, they're going to be number two by the weekend. Uh, number two for me is sticking with the NFL. That's my MO. I'm not going college football. Uh, I'm taking the Miami Dolphins. I don't understand how they're a three-point okay. underdog. Well, Sounding like picks. sound like BK right now. Well, at least I you get one the of them right. I, I do too. I I get it. It's in Buffalo. I get that the Dolphins defense is the most concerning part of their team, but I don't know how the Buffalo defense, Jordan Poyer's not playing in this game. Uh, I don't know how they're going to stop this this offense. I just had to push another game into my pick em. <laughs> You guys are going to love my three-point pick this week. Wait, no, but don't you just <laughs> use it if it's the same? It's an, no, I'm not going to do that. He Why? Can't. I can't. It blocks me. Yeah. But I thought we could go. The, oh, because he it does. Can, it but ruins he can't them. Why don't you use the same and then go the Buffalo no. pick? Yeah. It's just two and a half, sure right? That's what the line's at uh, now. I had it at three on FanDuel. I see this two and a half now. What are we going with here? Uh, if it's, I'll check, but go ahead, Tanner. What's your next pick? Uh, my number two pick, I'm going to stick. I'm going to go to the NFL. Sorry, I moved this one around it's a little three. bit. Three. It is three. Tanner trying um, to screw me out of a half a point. I was doing you better by two and a half. Oh, wait, no, I wasn't. No, you, weren't. Um, you were doing the opposite. <laughs> I, I, I'm i going to the Sunday night football game, and I feel bad for doing this because it means i got to watch this stinker. God bless it. No, <laughs> man. I'm going Chiefs minus nine oh, versus that's Jets. A, that's a repeat they pick are for a me. bad football team are the New York Jets. That's my number three They're going to get throttled by Kansas City. <laughs> Travis Kelsey's got an impressed T-shirt. That's my three picks. Minus nine. Do you want me to to switch my three picks so we both have the same one? It doesn't matter. I got it. No, because I'm going away from it. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I got that's my three play. Go to Jets. Yeah, do it. Oh, God. Should I? Yeah, okay. Zach Wilson was just not named the captain in their locker room. Find a better game. You're gonna cry now? Hey, head over to our YouTube channel at 101 ESPN STL. It's sponsored by Air Alliance Team. BK's crying right now. So here's your guys' problem. What? I had the Chiefs. Pick it. I don't care. No, we have to get all of ours wrong. You don't understand. I like the Chiefs. Oh, well, yeah, we do too. <laughs> that means you guys are screwed. Oh, no, not on this one. <laughs> Not on this one. I also liked the Dolphins, so your two and three points are done. Yeah, but I got one point. Bill, take the Bills, take the Jets, ladies and gentlemen. Those are winners for you. We or, only give you winners here on BK and Ferrari. Or I'm helping your picks win, and now you have to flip yours, so welcome to losses. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to leave my, you know what? Yeah. Is the Chiefs nine or eight and a half? I had eight and a half. Oh, I've got so I guess nine. it doesn't matter. It nine? nine? Okay. I'm going to take the Jets. What? Dude, you're going to lose, man. Go to the college game or something. Pick another game. I'm going to go to the Jets because I want to be in this thing until Sunday night. Have some respect for this damn game. And I will go ahead and give you, T-Bone, give me your three-point game just so I can make sure that I don't match it. So what's the Jets, your number two pick? Yep, Jets my number two. My number three pick. Jesus. I hope he matches this one. You you like the best offense in the NFL, Alex. I like the best offense in college football. I'm going Washington minus 19 at Arizona. Arizona's three and uh, three, one or four, no, but it's a fraudulent record. Yeah. So I like Washington minus the points, 19 at Arizona. <laughs> you gonna go with Arizona? Nope. Seriously though, T-Bone, if if we lose and he wins, this is gonna be the ultimate meltdown ever in betting. I know. And we got way too cocky. That's the only thing I'm worried about. You and I are way too cocky right now. So, But then I realize he's making picks. There was a team last week in the NFL. Oh, God. <laughs> that lost by 50 points. Oh, Didn't no. give up 50. They, they lost by 50 points. This is a trap game, dude. They are favored this weekend on the road by three and a half points. Not just the three, but I've also got the hook in there. 
their quarterback has been ridiculed nationally for a year and a half. Their defense probably should have given up 73 points. And I have seen reputable NFL guys that break down film that said it was the worst defensive performance they've ever seen. And I will be taking the Denver Broncos this week on the road at Chicago, minus the three and a half points to cover the spread as my single most confident pick going into this upcoming weekend. Give me the Broncos. Let's ride. I've got the Broncos minus three. And a half. By the you're way, an you're an absolute 100% and total idiot. I, I One of my picks that didn't make the cut, I had the Bears in that one. <laughs> that makes you feel any better. <laughs> All right, so my picks going into the weekend, which I love. They're my favorite picks I've ever made. It's not true. Uh, USC minus 21 and a half. The Jets plus the nine points. The Broncos minus three and a half. Dude, the, the picks that you just made to try and stay alive. 21 and a half point spread. You picked the Jets and the Broncos. Mm-hmm. All yeah. right, good. USC who can't play defense. Can't play defense. Uh, the Jets who can't play offense and the Broncos who seem to be able to play neither. So uh, things are going well for me over here. Meanwhile, T-Bone has three of the best teams in the country in their respective sports. Georgia minus 14 and a half. The Chiefs minus nine in Washington minus 19. Alex has the fighting Texans plus three. The Dolphins plus three and the Chiefs minus the nine. Oh, buddy. If you're watching that at Sunday night football game, please hope like hell for a late touchdown to give me the backdoor cover. Someone asked if you're just doing this on purpose. Sucking on purpose to get popularity. no. <laughs> Are you looking for more Instagram followers over there? You looking for those clicks? Smash that like button. Do you, what what is my record going to be this week? One and two. Oh, it's kind of been my my go to. The USC is your only hope. I can see you getting two. I I do picks for Rock Nation, by the way, for college football. I do one pick every week. That's my like lock of the week, right? What do you think my record is on that? We're four weeks in. You've got to be zero and four. No, <laughs> I was just saying he's probably undefeated on that, which no. is more infuriating. No, he's not. It's amazing. It, I, how can one should, person just, be so bad? You, just, you should just the next week. I'm going to wear the dunce cap as I come in to do our picks. Your your lock of the week. All all that, all it should say is you know Missouri minus thirteen and a half versus Vanderbilt. What the write up? Shrug emoji. <laughs> I don't know, man. Someone asked if you're doing this because you really want to feel like what it feels to be pregnant. No. no. Why would I do that? You guys act like I, I have the ability to predict. The The whole idea of this segment is none of us know anything. Like no, nobody, nobody knows anything when it comes to sports betting. We can give you all these picks, but they all go like 50-50. Man, speak for yourself with your six points. By the way, if you want an obvious pick, because again, I'm 0 for 4 this week in my SEC picks against the spread. I love Kentucky minus the one and a half at home against Florida. Why don't you take that one, man? Well, I, I did on Rock M Nation. Why not here? Uh, Why not here if you love it? Because it's my favorite SEC uh, bet. Hey, I like the other ones your better. Finger is still exclusive to the SEC. Your finger, do you like the other ones better? You did just take the Jets plus Your nine. finger is still on the chest piece. I'm going to give you one last shot. You want to take out that Jets pick and put your Kentucky pick in? No, I want to go head-to-head against you guys. I like my chance. <laughs> He's going head-to-head. That's our three-point pick, and it's his two-point pick. I can't wait. I mean, his fate will be this. Uh, I guess he has all of Sunday with the your picks all being NFL. Yeah. I can be safe by the end of Saturday so, so, night. So yeah, BK would need five points and us lose out. I need out. to start off well with USC. Yeah. BK yeah. BK would need five points and us to lose out to win, or he gets three and two and we get I need five points either way. Yeah, you need five points no matter what to win. And then us determine. So yeah, you the, the games that I have to hit. Jets and Broncos. Jets plus nine, Broncos minus three and a half. I have to get those correct. Yeah. And with, so USC doesn't with, matter. With me, with Washington as my three pick, I get that I'm safe. 
minus 19. I get that. Sure. On, and that game is Saturday night. That's why I said if I get my, my I will Chiefs know my I'm fate, safe. potentially Saturday night. I'm trying to like do like math, like how I lose in this situation. Remember, you know what's going to happen, Alex? You know what's going to happen. We're going to end up tying. In and the conversation that we had where I said we should pick the Monday night football game against the spread where one of us, like in this scenario, you're coming into the week ahead, you would be the one that would pick that Monday night football game. You could take the Seahawks minus one on the road at the Giants you hear that in order line. to secure your fate. That would be a great way to determine you, you, you hear who that wins text the, line? the tiebreaker. This guy is begging for any scenario to try and I mean, tie this I would be too. A in that scenario, <laughs> be we on the would go to Monday exam. Night Football and determine the tiebreaker that way. But instead, we would both get punished. Because that was T-Bone's idea. T-Bone decided, yeah. hey, I'm, I'm the too. one in yeah, charge. That's supported, supported by yeah. Alex Ferrari. I do think the dual punishment is the way to go. Yeah. Because, I mean, what's better than one person being suffered on the show, two people getting suffered on the show? I know you want all the popularity to yourself by punishment, yeah. but we'll, we'll we spread the We want our followers, too. Uh, At T-Bone101ESPN on X, Smash that follow button. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, my if, if Chiefs cover, I'm good. Or if I get Texans and Dolphins, I'm good. So, that's my kind of situation. Am I the worst sports better in the history of sports betting? Yeah. yeah. Okay. My At least on the station. My, my dad was telling me last night we were talking about the game he took the Packers. R.I.P. Packers. Um, I told, him, I told, I I, no, I told him to go Lions, and I was right. I would have gone. I might just send him your three picks and go. Hey, you need a bounce back. You I would parlay them. I would too. Like the opposite of what yeah. I selected. I would, might even go money line on Colorado. I like, might even put in a bet this weekend on the opposite of what my picks were. Brutal. <laughs> Coming up next. Mm. What can we learn about the way that the Blues have utilized their defensemen so far, specifically? Who the players are that have gotten the opportunity up there with Colton Pareko. We'll talk about that next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. of core is an interesting conundrum right now. Alongside Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kiley. So Matthew DeFranks just tweeted this out. To correct an error of his, and this is something that we've been discussing as well, so we'll take blame for this. Blues defenseman Scott Perunovich does need to clear waivers in order to be sent to the AHL this season. He says, sorry for the mistake. Alex, when you look at the way that the Blues have been utilizing Scott Perunovich specifically, this preseason he's been getting opportunities up there in the top pairing with Colton Pareko I think the reason why is because you want him to be able to just play his game Mm -hmm. don't worry about who your partner is your partner when it's Colton Pareko for all of his faults guys is somebody that knows what his job is he knows what his responsibility is and more often than not he's going to do it the right way it may not end up working out he may not have the physical capability of accomplishing what he's supposed to do in that spot but most of the time, he's going to do what he's supposed to. I can't say that about some of these depth pieces, right? You just, they're unpredictable. Joey always talks about this. When you're going up against young teams that kind of play that spread it out style, it's an unpredictable style of hockey. They want to find out what Scott Perunovich is at this point in his career. And the best way to do that is by putting him next to either Falk or Pareko. So they've done that. Well, today they decided to break that pairing up. At practice earlier this morning, they had Nick Letty with Colton Pareko, they had Callie Rosen with Bortuzzo. And they had Perunovich skating with Kessel, which basically means, all right, we've seen what we need to see. Now we're going to put these guys in the spots that they're actually going to play in. Yeah. 
Alex, as you look at where the Blues are at right now with their defensive core, they've got like nine guys that have a reasonable chance to be able to make this roster. And any of them that end up not making the roster would have to clear waivers in order to be sent to the AHL. How do you go about this if you're Doug Armstrong? Uh, The way that I have viewed these preseason games is they're playing Perunovic with Pareko in two of the three games he's played in, and then the other one he played with Falk. That tells me they want him to be a top-four defenseman for them, and they're finding out how he works with these guys. This practice is intriguing because I I was going into this segment before I saw Matt's line combinations that he tweeted out, wondering if they view Letty as a third-pair defenseman to where they can utilize him on the penalty kill at five-on-five And he can float around in games if you need to. But now that you move Perunovic back, they move Letty up to see what he's got with Pareko. To me, that's like internal competition. Like, okay, let's see what Letty can do now. Because I personally believe, and I've seen the texts that complain about last night, I personally think Perunovic and Pareko have looked really good as a tandem. They've broken up a lot of plays in the defensive zone, and they move the puck extremely well. But what I'm reading into this now is Letty and Pareko, Krug and Falk, which... Matt tweeted out that Peruby said he's not putting a date on um, when Krug can play in a preseason game. So my guess is if Krug doesn't play and the second group plays tomorrow night, Perunovic is probably skating sure. with Falk. You've got Tucker and Scandella, Rosen and Bortuzzo, and then Scott Perunovic. I don't know how to read this right now with the exception of I know they want Perunovic to be a top four defenseman for them. They've liked what he looks like with Colton Pareko and they know he can play with Justin Falk. Now it's about finding out how does Letty look? And if Letty doesn't look as what they saw Perunovic in these preseason games, I wonder if they flip back to it. I don't know how you're going to accomplish this though, because Perunovic is going to have to go through waivers. I can promise you the kid's going to get claimed. Uh, Tucker's going to go through waivers. I would probably put it like 75%. He's going to get claimed. And then you got Callie Rosen, who the Blues obviously love, and you're not putting Scandella or Bortuzzo through waivers because... I'm not sure I agree with that first statement that you said about them loving Callie Rosen. Oh, I know they love Callie Rosen. I mean, Callie Rosen played more than Tyler Tucker last year. They told Tyler Tucker to stay in the minors to work on stuff because they believe 28 years old, going to be 29 this year. The other is Tyler Tucker, who's what, 23? Yeah, but I feel like that's a big part of it. But one also provided offense to your team last year when it was desperately needed, and Tyler Tucker plays a lot like Bortuzzo and Scandella. Callie Rosen, I would think, is the obvious cut candidate here. Either way, you're going to lose one of these defensemen and your depth takes a hit on defense. I think it's Callie Rosen. I would lean more towards Tyler Tucker. You think they just say because I think after other, all of the hype, though, that they've put on Tyler, like, but we always want to talk about a guy that was talked about as if he was the next Bobby Orr. But we always and Tyler Tucker. But man. we always talk about how we feel because we see it all the time compared to what the outside feels. The outside doesn't know anything about Tyler Tucker other than he's he's a physical guy that could be a good third pair defenseman. Callie Rosen, again, is under, 29 years old and for the first has time in his NHL in the top career, four. has played in the top not four. Really. Callie Rosen is going to get claimed on waivers because he's got... I think Tyler got, Tucker has the exact same... I think Tyler Tucker is more likely to be claimed on waivers than Callie see, Rosen. See, I think Tyler Tucker is the guy that you could sneak through waivers because he's also a seventh-round draft pick that teams are looking like, man, we got these guys. I mean... Cal- Callie Rosen, I'm not making Callie was even drafted. I'm not making <laughs> Callie Rosen to be bigger than what he is. I'm just saying what the Blues feel of what Callie Rosen can do is what they feel of Jake Neighbors in terms of a Swiss Army knife. He can play on our top pair if we need him to. He can play on the bottom pair. They I had think Callie that, Rosen think, on power play time last night. I think Callie Rosen, in a best case scenario, would be your ninth defenseman this year. 
I think they view him as below Tyler Tucker and Scott Perunovich right now. Like if you're talking about the power play situation, they would have him quarterbacking the power play behind Krug, Falk, and Perunovich. So what's Tyler Tucker's role here, though? It's that same role as what they have Robert Bortuzzo playing right behind now. Marco Scandella also. Yeah, the, and that's why eight, you have eight defensemen. We're talking about the eighth versus the ninth defenseman. Neither of these guys are probably well, going to be playing much, but it's at, about asset management. We saw it last year. You're going to end up having two or three guys that go down with injury. It happens every single season. It's kind of like pitching. You can never have too much uh, depth with your defensemen. The problem now is we didn't know this before. You got to send one of these guys through waivers, no matter what. They're gonna lose one of these guys. It's gonna happen, most likely. And so who are you most okay with losing for the long haul? Are you okay with losing Tyler Tucker, who probably next year is going to fit into that Marco Scandella, Robert Bortuzzo role with both of them heading out to UFA? Or are you okay with losing Scott Perunovich, who is a restricted free agent next year, could be the guy that ends up quarterbacking your power play for the next five years as a third pairing left-handed defenseman? Or are you okay with losing the 29-year-old defenseman who prior to last season never was a significant piece for any team that he had ever been on. And last year, I agree, looked really good for the Blues. It's every bit as likely that that was a one-hit wonder as it is that he continues to be that player for the Blues. Here's what I understand from the Blues side of things with Callie Rosen. They've comped into Carl Gunnarsson because he is very steady, he's dependable, and I he can do a lot. every player that is a defenseman to this team that is com- comped to hey man, I'm not comping the same him. thing about Tyler Tucker. I'm not comping him, though. No, they said they liked the physical play of Tyler Tucker. And Barubi, if you listened after that, what was the preseason game in Arizona, he was asked about Tucker, and he said, look, he's got to play like a stay-at-home defenseman. I hear that, and I hear a coach that's saying, still need some grooming to be done Has with that guy. Has he said anything about Rosen? Has he been asked about Rosen this preseason? I haven't heard You could take that cut. as a bad thing. I can take that as a good thing. Okay. And they're using him in a role right now that is playing with a Robert Bortuzzo as a third pair. They're also doing this with Tucker, but the way I look at this is they're forcing Scandella to play on the right side to see if that can work with Tucker. It's an experiment versus what could be a third pair. When we when DeFranks tweeted out that Perunovic has to go through waivers, that all but solidified he's, he's on this roster. Agreed. So now we're looking at seven defensemen. With one more spot, and it comes down to Rosen or Tucker. And frankly, I wouldn't be surprised if both guys are in the lineup tomorrow before they make the next round of cuts. I guess this would be my question: Is like, are, are we viewing this as like an end-all, be-all season? Because if we are, I'm with you. Go with a guy that's 29 years old that you think is probably better right now. Because I think there's a case to be made that as of today, Callie Rosen is a better defenseman today than Tyler Tucker is. I'm not even all that high on Tyler Tucker. I think we've gotten way out over our skis on what he's going to be long term. But I at least see what the upside is here of him being a really solid stay-at-home third-pairing defenseman that plays with some physicality, helps you grit, all that stuff, and is on the, the penalty kill. Like I, I understand why people are excited about him long-term. I would rather keep that guy in the fold long-term as an asset than I would somebody like a Callie Rosen, who I... I don't, I don't see any upside there. I don't see what your upside plays because next year... You're probably moving on from Callie Rosen anyways, because what is his role with this yeah. team? It's a short and a long-term and problem for Rosen, whereas with Tucker, it's really just a short-term problem. you got to keep him around this year, and probably he'll be in the lineup whenever one of those guys gets hurt. And next year, certainly, you would expect him to be either that sixth defenseman or seventh defenseman for you. And I think right now we're what we're trying to dissect is which one is a smokescreen that the Blues are telling you. They like Callie Rosen. They like Tyler Tucker for the things that you guys just said. 
One of those may not be true. One of those may just be kind of a smokescreen that it's just kind of we say it when we're asked a question about them, and they're okay with losing them. It's a conversation. Like I, I'm not sure the Cardinals have said all these great things about Yvonne Herrera lately. I don't think they're in on Yvonne Herrera. I really don't. I, I don't think they. I think they're ready to move on from Yvonne Herrera and use him as a trade asset. I think it's almost the same conversation here with these guys on the Blues. Of oh yeah, sure, this is Callie Rosen, this is Tyler Tucker. We're okay with losing one of them. Which one's the smokescreen that we're trying to sort out Can right I now? Can I throw one other potential scenario out there, Alex? Yeah. I also think one thing they could do is say one of Marco Scandella and Nicoletti or Tori Krug is placed on waivers. Like if you really wanted to go about this in a way where you're talking about guys that you're okay with losing long term, I, I would say that the one that you're most okay with, given the roles that we're talking about here, is probably Marco Scandella. But if they wanted to get super creative and they're a team that could probably use a little bit of cap space right now. Maybe you try that. Maybe that's your first move is you float those guys getting waived and then see yep. if there's any takers for them. Uh, yeah, I mean, it would come down to – I don't think they would do that with Krug because the obviously offensive upside is there. I, I agree. It's it's Scandella and Letty, and I mean, if I'm going to be frank with it, like Scandella's a guy that could up your penalty kill where Letty, I, I'm not sure. Like Letty's a five-on-five five guy. He does some penalty kill, but he's behind Pareko. He's behind Falk. He's behind Scandella. He's behind Bortuzzo. Could you see a scenario where your left side is – Krug with Pareko, or excuse me, Perunovic with Pareko, Krug with Falk, and then Scandella Tucker. and Bortuzzo with Tucker and Rosen as the. I, I'm saying Scandella is waived, and you uh, put you put Tucker yeah. into the Scandella role. It depends on how good you feel about Tyler Tucker, and I just I, from what I've heard so far, I'm just not sure they're to the point where they're like, yeah, this guy's here. The part that I always go to is who's the most likely that you'd be able to sneak through waivers. And I'm, I'm in the same camp as you guys. Like sometimes Callie Rosen gets blown out of proportion because he scored eight goals and was a plus 19 last year. But I also know that Tyler Tucker, who was a seventh round draft pick, who's played 26 games in the NHL has one role. And it's that third pair defenseman that's in or out of the lineup. Callie Rosen has been somebody that has been used in a top four role and if you look at teams at the end of training camp, if injuries pop up, if they feel like they have to fill a certain role for a, for a certain amount of time, that could be where a team swoops in on Callie Rosen to where as you look at Tyler Tucker and a team says 26 games played in the NHL, has been a fringe AHL player, seventh round pick. Let's see where we can go with that. That's where I would say you're you're probably going to lean more towards Tucker. We went way too long here. We talked about eighth Perry, eighth defenseman on the Blues roster for twelve minutes. It's a good argument, though. It's a good it. conversation. It's something that I guarantee you they're talking about right now yeah. down at uh, the Centene Community Ice Center when Army is discussing things with some of his lieutenants. These are the kinds of conversations that they have to have in that room. Mm-hmm. Of hey, are we okay with losing one of these guys? In fact. Not are we okay with it. When we lose one of these guys, most likely, who are we most okay with losing? Yeah. Is it Rosen? Is it Tucker? Is it Scandella? Is it Perunovic? Are we willing to go out and make the big move and try to place one of Krug or Letty on waivers? One of those things has to happen. One of the scenarios that we just discussed. I would say Rosen is the most likely. I would say it's more likely they do Scandella than one of Perunovic or... Tucker I just think for the long-term play that makes more sense to me Um, and it's something that ends up allowing you to have a little bit of flexibility with the cap as well Alex what do you think is the most likely scenario I think it's Tucker going through waivers because I I view Scandella as if he plays well for them could be a trade chip depending on where the team's at going into the deadline and I I just 
when you when Callie Rosen plays like he did and they're making comps the way they do, to me it seems like they don't want to lose that over a guy that is a seventh-round pick that they might be able to sneak through waivers. He's Alex Ferrario. That's Tanner Hendricks, and I'm Brandon Kylie. Coming up in about 15 minutes or so, we'll give you our NFL weekend look ahead, the one game we're most curious to watch and our upset special going into the weekend. But coming up next, is there any common theme between the five teams from the National League that all had a fall from grace this season? We'll talk about it next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. and T-Bone on BK. We typically do the junk drawer right here, but we went along talking about the eighth and ninth defensemen for the Blues. You can only get that kind of coverage one place, and it's your home for the Blues 101 ESPN. You were the one that was angry and wrong about your take, so I just had to keep arguing. Yeah, you were 100% correct on that. I'm nothing if not confident about my bad takes. I'm here for Tyler Tucker going, uh, are going to make the team after today's practice. (laughs) That's for sure going to happen. By the way, the junk drawer is typically brought to you by Fenton Bar and Grill. Dine in, carry out seven days a week. So yesterday, Anthony Stalter in the fast lane had a good conversation about some of the teams that fell short of their goals this season in Major League Baseball. That, of course, applies to the Cardinals, who came into the season with high expectations and uh, didn't exactly meet them, I would say is a fair way to classify it. So here's what Anthony Stalter had to say about the common theme between the teams that were expected to be great and ended up being something resembling really terrible. Out of the Cardinals, Mets, Padres, Yankees, and Red Sox, one, two, three, four, five, how many of those teams do you believe finished in the top five in fielding independent percentage? The Padres were seventh. The Yankees were 17th. The Mets were 18th. The Red Sox were 21st. And your St. Louis Cardinals or 23rd. It's not, you know, we could we could sit here until we're blue in our face and all about, we got to spend more. Those three teams have proven that it's not just about spending. I'm not saying don't spend anything. Yeah. But it's not just about You have to spend on the right damn players. Well, you got to spend on the right players, and then you got to make sure that your development path is correct. That's we heard yesterday, I know you guys talked about it, and I think it was a really good segment, the Michael Walker comments that came out about how when he went to the Tampa Bay Rays, they like opened his eyes to a new side of the game that he hadn't previously been exposed to. And I think you can make a case that not only did it save his career, it resurrected his career. He is now back to being the pitcher that the Cardinals believed that Michael Walker was eventually going to become. And he's probably going to get paid this offseason as a result of that. That's all thanks to what he was able to do, what he what he's able to find with the Rays. The Cardinals have fallen behind in that regard. The Mets are well behind in that regard. Many of the teams that have fallen back, it's because they don't have the pitching system in place currently, and they don't have the correct way to identify pitchers either. And when you combine those two things, whoo, it get, uh, gets ugly with a hurry. Alex, do you think it's that simple? The teams that fell behind, it's because they didn't have the pitching. Let's set San Diego aside for a second. They're, I was going to say, because that's the team that I don't know. They're a dumpster fire. There was that piece that came out on The Athletic last week where, like, from top to bottom, the organization is dysfunctional. And that's the part for me that it's like they are the ones that you have to set aside because free agent-wise, like, how can you say they picked the wrong free agents? They picked the right offensive players, and the pitching has been fine. Obviously, analytics are good because Waka's been awesome, so what's the problem here? Uh, 
I do think there's some of that, and we talked about it yesterday, like you mentioned. I think when it comes to developing pitching, that is one massive side of it. We always say, how does Tampa keep churning out these guys? It's because they have the analytical side of developing young pitchers to turn them into something that works at the major league level. And then you've got the side of it that's picking the right free agents, and that's something that has plagued the Cardinals for so long. But I think they're intertwined. I think that if your analytic side in terms of development and knowing how to kind of pursue and continue your career isn't up to par with the other teams, well, those free agents that are the right free agents aren't going to come to your team. And the guys or that are, they do and they fail. Yeah. And the guys that are willing to come to your team are ones that have it set in stone how they pursue their career, and that's not going to change. And then it fails. So I, I just I view the Cardinals in a, a really bad spot because both sides of this conversation are intertwined that if you don't update with other teams in Major League Baseball, Atlanta, Philadelphia, Tampa, these successful teams, you're not going to bring in the right guys. You're not going to develop the talent. And now we're in this purgatory of doing the same thing over and over. Yeah, I, I think it's the complacency and falling behind in pitching development that is the reason that's sinking a lot of these teams. Like I, when I say complacency, I mean, you know, you think of the Cardinals, it was the Cardinal way. How do we, other teams, recreate the Cardinal way? And not only did they recreate it, they blew past it. And, and it took too long for the Cardinals to realize their their, their faults. Like, they, they would get into the playoffs on a team that we'd look at and go, okay, there's some signs that the, the foundation is cracking. But they decided not to do much on it because they said, we got a playoff team here. And I, I think that's the thing is, once they start diving into the pitching labs and start going into the pitching development side and are able to start churning out some pitchers because of the development side. And to your point, BK, on bringing in free agents that maybe they, they look at it and they say, oh, you don't have analytics, I don't want to go there. But the other part of the analytics is it can help that guy fix anything that does go awry if anything goes awry. That is the thing for, I think, everybody. I think it's part of the reason. I think it is the reason the Mets struggle and why they can't develop pitching. It's the reason the Cardinals can't develop pitching. I think that is the one thing that can clearly be highlighted. And, I, and look, there are other things that do fall into this. But I think it is the number one thing, like if I were to come up with a to-do list of why most of these teams failed, it's because they got too lackluster in their development of pitching and they didn't have the proper equipment and didn't have the proper development system to develop pitchers from internally. And then you have to go out to the free agent market and you start to chase your tail a little bit. Yeah, and like you look at the Yankees and the Mets and the pitchers that they signed were either old or hurt. And when you're old or hurt in the past, it typically leads to old and hurt in the future. Both of their teams ended up having exactly that take place. Verlander was hurt early on in the season. Scherzer was hurt and not particularly good for much of the season with New York. Carlos Rodon, who I wanted here in St. Louis because of the upside of him, and he's been hurt most of the season, and when he's pitched, he's been terrible. He's a 570 RA this year for the New York Yankees. So, yeah, that's horrible. Severino, long injury history, has a 6.7 ERA with them uh, this year. Their second-best pitcher has been Clark Schmidt, who's thrown 155 innings with a 4.6 ERA. In other words, he has been for them basically what Zach Thompson's been for you. And we're talking in here about can Zach Thompson be the number five starter for you next year? It's been the second most consistent pitcher on the Yankees this year, and they don't have the offense either. So there's a bunch of other stuff that's gone wrong. But T-Bone, you talked about the pitching lab. The other thing that I do worry about a little bit with the Cardinals as we project forward here is, yeah, you got to get that. You got to get the things that all of these other teams already have. The problem is those teams aren't just stopping there. 
Yeah. They're continuing to push forward. They're trying to find what is the next thing. What can we find that is going to give us a slight advantage when it comes to pitching? Who is the guy that is available out there that's a little better at pitch molding, that's shaping the pitches a little better, that can find what the next statistic or the next metric is that can push us a little further in the direction of being cutting edge? What is the next arm angle that we can utilize? What? All of these different things are things that the Rays are thinking about right now. Meanwhile, the the Cardinals are like trying to catch up to what the Rays were doing in 2012. That's the problem that the Cardinals are at right now. They have fallen so far behind on the pitching development and pitching sustainability model that it's going to take a little bit for them to catch up to what they, these teams were five, seven years ago. And then they got to try to find out, okay, deep breath. We're where they were seven years ago. Now, how do we get to where they're going to be next year? And that's going to be the hard part for them. And that is why you have to go out there and outspend your problems. You have to go get the guys that can mask the fact that you're behind. You've got to buy yourself a little bit of time. Buy big-time starters that don't need that other stuff. Those guys that you're bringing in this offseason have to be able to succeed despite what is in place internally right now. I think Dusty Blake can help you a little bit. Get to where you need to go. It seems like he's trending in the right direction. But, man, it's going to take an awful lot for this team to catch up with some of the leading teams when it comes to what they're doing with the pitching side of things. It is it's a long road ahead for this team. Somebody asked an interesting question. Do you pursue a guy like Michael Waka this offseason solely off the fact that, I mean, he's been outspoken about that side of it and how it's changed? Not because of that, but I would consider looking at him. Yeah, I would just, consider just be, because... He's shown he's a good yeah. pitcher. Uh, Not I mean, so much that. It's just also the side, I guess, you could find out, like, okay, what worked elsewhere and how do we bring but that? But I think they've tried that with, like, you can bring guys into your organization. Man, they've got a lot of stuff going on. Like, they have to get themselves right. And they're not going to sit, like, their job is not to help you organizationally set things up infrastructure-wise in a way that is going to sustain for the next seven years, right? Their job is to go out there every fifth day and, and pitch well. Yeah. And so for Michael Walker, like, is he going to ask for certain numbers and certain things and do certain things that maybe will start to apply to other pitchers? They see what he's doing. They're like, hey, maybe I try doing that. Kind of like the position players do with Arenado with his pregame routine and same thing for Goldie. You might see some of that. But, I mean, the reason why you potentially would go after a guy like Michael Walker is because over the last two years, he's got a 3-3 RA. If I'm Michael Waka, I'm not coming here because my career well, has taken off since, and I don't, I don't want to go back to that. And I would say this. I, because they are so far behind in pitching labs, development, all that, that sort of thing, I don't know if they can be in the business of fixing pitchers, if that makes sense. Like, they can take on deals Agreed. and try that, but it's not like years prior where it was, and this is the old-school mindset, but it was the, at the time it was, we've got Dave Duncan, we can take anybody and we can fix that guy. And I think there was some truth to that. I, I agree. I don't think they can do that anymore. They're so far behind that I don't know if they can look at a guy and go, you know, we can tweak this. They don't have the equipment to tweak like Tampa Bay does. Tampa Bay, the reason they can do it is they can bring in a guy and they can show them the, all the machines that they've got down their complexes and say, okay, if we do this, we do this, we do this, boom, you're going to have a pitch that really works for you. Cardinals are so far behind that they can't do that. They just got to go, eh, eyeball test says, yeah, yeah, if we do this, this is going to work out a little Look bit Look at what better. they did with Zach Eflin this year. Yeah, Zach really Eflin good. was a sixth starter for the Phillies last year in a rotation that wasn't all that great. Like they had two really good dudes up front and they had a couple of guys that were fine as like their three fours. Zach Eflin couldn't crack that rotation. 
You know what he's done this year, Alex? Cracked that rotation. 31 starts for the race, so he's been consistently available for them, which has been hugely important because every other pitcher around him is broken. He has a 3.5 ERA, and he's thrown 180 innings. That's pretty good. That's amazing. Do you yeah. know how quickly we would sign up for the Cardinals to sign a guy this offseason to be their number two starter to give them exactly that? Yeah, but he wouldn't be able to do that because the pitching's behind him. Exactly. Yeah. You can't you can't go get Zach Eflin here in St. Louis. You have to go get the guy that is already Zach Eflin to perform next and, year like Zach Eflin. And so instead of paying whatever it was, twelve million bucks for Zach Eflin, you go out and pay twenty two million bucks for the guy that's gonna give you the exact same number. And the problem is then you bring that player in and what has worked elsewhere doesn't work, work here it. because your techniques are not up to par with other teams in older. Major League Baseball. Yep. Like the aging curve starts to catch up like to them Noah's- and now you have to give them a three or four year deal when they're thirty three and instead of getting Eflin, who's 29 years old this year, that you're kind of getting on the buy low. Now you have to go out and buy high on somebody that is about to enter the down down curve of their career. Yeah, like Nola's already set in his ways. You sign Nola, and you're not changing anything. Nola's going to provide here what he's done for the last 12 years with the Philadelphia Phillies. Same can be said about a Blake Snell, but when you bring in a Yamamoto, or if you're bringing in an Imanag, Iman, again, Imanaga, again, Imanaga, it. and then Sonny Gray, like those guys are probably wanting direction. And if you don't have the proper direction, one, they're not going to be interested. And two, it's not going to go the way you hope. We'll get out of here on this. Somebody from the 618. By the way, you guys can get involved in the show. 314-399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service tax line. We'll get to one's got to go coming up in about 15 minutes. You give us four options. We'll tell you which one's got to go. The 618 says, guys, the Cardinals went away from drafting pitchers and got more towards position players. That was the change, not what you're discussing right now. There is some truth to that. They did get away from the first round pitchers that they had been selecting almost on an annual basis over the last few years. However, that is not the only thing that has changed. The other thing that has changed is while these other teams continued pushing in the direction of modernization on the pitching front, the Cardinals stayed stagnant. So think about like technology, right? If you have a phone from 2013, it was the iPhone probably like, right? Let's let's say you have the iPhone. If Apple had just never improved upon the Apple iPhone that you had in 2013, and meanwhile, you've got all of these other businesses out there that are continuing to put out a new phone every single season. Well, if you still have that same iPhone in 2023 that you did in 2013, the technology on that thing is going to be basically, I mean, it's going to be ancient by the time that you get to where we are today. That's basically the Cardinals pitching plan. They're like, oh, we're so far ahead as Apple was at that point. We're fine. We'll just stick with what we know. We're doing the things that we've always done. Why would we change? Meanwhile, everybody around them changed and they fell behind. That That's what took place. So, yes, there is some truth to the idea that they have not been drafting the same number of pitchers up front in the draft. They also fell way behind on the pitching development side of things. Coming up next, we'll give you our weekend look ahead for the NFL. The number one game we're all going to be watching over the weekend and our upset special. Who's the three-point or four further underdog that you think can win their game outright? Not the Jets. Talk about it next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Alongside Alex and T-Bone, I'm BK. You got BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. We'll get to One's Gotta Go in a little less than 10 minutes. But first, we get to our NFL weekend look ahead. Let's start with this, Alex. If you could sit in front of the TV on Sunday and you could only watch one game 
What are you putting on? Uh, I think it's the Bills-Dolphins game. I, I yeah. mean, you said it at the Can opening. Can we all agree that's the one? Yeah. I'll give you another yeah. one. I mean, mine would be the Ravens-Browns also because I am curious what they look like. Cowboys-Patriots might be entertaining too just because I didn't think Dak looked I great last week. all of the games. Well, but you said that you <laughs> didn't want to go with the easy one. About I, the Bears and Broncos. I gave you an afternoon one and I gave you a morning one. So uh, can I interest you in Jacksonville? Can you give me a game on yeah, Sunday night I should sit down and watch. You can, yeah. If you want to watch a game on Sunday night at the Chiefs and the Jets is one wow, that you should be paying attention no. to and definitely hope that the Jets lose by eight or less. <laughs> no, don't do that. Yeah, no, don't do that. Do your rain dance to make sure that the Chiefs cover. Don't on need that to one. win. Just lose by eight or less. But it's Bills Dolphins. That's that's basically your AFC superior team minus the Chiefs in that game. Can, can I give you one? Because I agree. That's clearly the one. No, I think number BK two is, only wants one, and that's the one he wanted. Cleveland and Baltimore is a good one too. Can I give you one that I am kind of interested in, but it, it kind of lost its appeal with the up in the air in the quarterback situation for the home is team. It Saints Bucks. Saints Bucks. If Carr was healthy and playing, I'd be fascinated because I don't think Tampa's very good. But they've been okay in the first three weeks. That one's interesting because now that Carr's dealing with an injury, can Tampa Bay win on the road in New Orleans against a good defense? Well, All of a sudden, they're 3-1. and one. Well, Mike Evans is always negated against the Saints when he plays, so how's that offense look like when you lose him? Got a sneaky good one. If you say Broncos and Bears, I will punch no, you in no, your Adam's Don't watch apple. that game. That's an unwatchable football game. I'm just betting on it. Don't watch it. Just betting on <laughs> it. Colts and Rams. Yeah. I think is quietly not only a intriguing game, a highly watchable game. Rams hype stop. I'm so sick of it. I'm not even hyping them up necessarily. I think they're a fun offense. I think that they play with an up-tempo style. Kyron Williams has been really solid for them, especially in the passing game. Puka Nakua is like suddenly a number one wide receiver. Last week I thought was maybe the most impressive game because he like wasn't super utilized and was still pretty darn good. I want to see what Indy is. That's really the team that I'm curious about here. You beat Houston, who we now know is solid. They're feisty. You beat Baltimore on the road in overtime and a bad weather game with your backup quarterback in there. All right. Showed me a little bit. Zach Moss looks good against a defense that is typically known to be pretty impressive against the run. What do you look like at home this week against the Rams who have been better than most anticipated this year? And you get Richardson back. Yeah. Next week, you've got Tennessee at home. The week after that, you've got Jacksonville on the road, Cleveland, New New Orleans, Carolina, New England. I mean, this could be one of those surprise teams that ends up making the playoffs with a rookie quarterback. I'm not calling for it right now, but that's what they could show me by winning this weekend. So I want to see what Indy looks like. That's the game for me. It's wild that Indy is probably going to be the superior team in the AFC South. Because I, I just Jacksonville's starting to make me really question them and Tennessee. I mean, we all know like Tennessee's thrives off of Derrick Henry, I think and that's Jacksonville's it. better than Indianapolis. But watching the games, you wouldn't notice. And that. when they play yeah. against each other in what two weeks, three weeks, you said <laughs> about to find out. Yeah. Like just like we well, found played, out with the Lions and Packers, one, they played against each other, and the Jags won that game head to head. But since then, I think the Colts have been the more impressive. And team. you're going to get more reps for Richardson. Absolutely. Yeah, I like that one because I. I think the Rams lose that one because defensively they're just not good enough. And it's a pick em. Like yeah, Vegas is even. telling you they think the Rams are a better team. And I've seen fantasy-wise says that Anthony Richardson is like top five Great in play. QB play this week. If you're playing fantasy this week and like the daily fantasy side of things, the games that most people are going to be attacking are Chargers, Raiders, Vikings, Panthers, and then the other one, it, it's the big one. It's the Dolphins, Bills. If you want to get a little creative, go ahead and get yourself some Rams and Colts stacks. It's a good way to go about it because nobody else is going to own them. So... I think you could the passing games for those two teams will be very under owned relative to the rest of the, or what they could be. All right. 
Alex, Brandon. who's your upset going into this weekend? There's a bunch of very close spreads, so it's kind of hard to pick yeah, one. Yeah, I was going to say. But who's your upset pick going into the weekend? Why is it the Bears over there? Yeah, the I mean, a Broncos? lot of these are pickums, which is wild. I'll give you one, though, and it's the Panthers over the Vikings. Okay. I think that was, that's a you game. Bryce Young starting. Yeah. Whoa. Wow. Well, you think the Red Rocket's going to be better? You'd be much better. No, Bryce Young's better than Anthony Richards. <laughs> I couldn't even finish that sentence. I don't think the Vikings defense is good. And I think in Carolina, that's going to be tough for Minnesota. Now, I don't know how the hell Carolina is going to stop the Vikings offense. To me, that feels like it could be a shootout. And I could see Carolina upsetting Minnesota in this one and everybody being done with the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, I like that one because I almost took that one in the pick. I'm not so much the upset, but the Vikings, I just don't have enough trust in them to where I could see they win that game. I I don't either for what it's I, worth. Both these teams are a disaster right now, and that's why I think it's possible. Raiders? Beating the Chargers? There's no such thing as a is home Jimmy game for the Chargers. No, know? they said he was it's, still in it's concussion it's protocol. Questionable dealing with the concussion okay. protocol. Now, he's out. It's definitely not going to be avoid this as an upset pick. Yeah. But if he does play, I think the Raiders could beat the Chargers. Like, the Chargers have not been impressive at all this season. And if they lay a dud after trying to blow their game last weekend and they're one and three, Brandon Staley's seat just got warm again, and he's on the hot seat. Dude should be fired by now. So, again, it's limited in terms of the pickings going into this weekend. I, I would say the game that I feel... Would you say it's slim pickings? It is. Um, I would go with the Bucks over the Saints as the game that I would feel most confident could go in this direction, and it's a small upset, man. It's a three-and-a-half-point yeah. line, but if I was going to pick one, that's it, because Jameis is very liable to throw three interceptions in this game. Buccaneers have a good defense. I don't think they're a very good team. I'm with you, T-Bone, but I think going into this one, you expect a pretty low scoring game, and I can see how the Bucks defense ends up winning. It Texans for would be another one. I mean, that was in my pickums, and I know they're only a three-point underdog, but that'd be another one I could see an upset. All right, who has the most to gain for you this weekend? They win, and you're like, hey, it kind of changes the way that I view them as a football team. Can I go, can I go first? Mm-hmm. The Buffalo Bills. Yeah, that's the one I was going to go with. You go out there. Well, you took them as the game that you want to watch. So I figured, ah, I'll go ahead and take the easy one here. Sweep it out You from go under out there me. and you beat the, the Dolphins, who I think are the, so far, best team in the NFL. That shows me something. It, it shows me you're back under the level of contention, and week one was just a weird one-off. And maybe the last couple of weeks, despite coming against bad teams, that was more of what you're going to be the rest of the way. The Bills are the team with the most to gain for me. Ravens are that team... For me, because can they, though, if it ends up being Deshaun Watson being out? No, because <laughs> so it sounds like he's probably not like the play. most they could gain is a little bit more respect for the offense going up against that defense. But the team that can gain more is the one that uh, you guys mentioned. It's the Colts. I-, I mean, the Colts, to me, if they could beat the Rams in this one, I'm ready to crown them as the team that's going to be the one to beat in that division. And I get the Jacksonville's probably the better team still, um, but uh, the Colts have the better quarterback, and I would say they're going to be the better team down the stretch. So that would be the one that can really change my opinion. I I mentioned them earlier, right? Because I think there's a ton of pressure on them going into this weekend. It's Jacksonville. Jacksonville's got to beat Atlanta. I know that's a weird game, and it's in in London, and maybe next week they're a little bit more adept because they'll be playing in London when they take on the Bills. But you lose to Atlanta. You then have to play the Bills in London. That's a game you can lose. Suddenly you're looking at a 1-14, and to your point – earlier in this segment, all of a sudden the Colts are the team to beat in the AFC yep. South. They have got to win that game against the Atlanta Falcons because I think Atlanta, don't get me wrong, they're a good team. They're not a 
great team. And Jacksonville was deemed a great team coming in the year. They've got to win that football game. Team with the most to lose. Final thing here. I'll start on this one as well. It's the Bengals. The Bengals going up against the Tennessee Titans. They, they got to win this game, man. I know that Burrow's still dealing with his calf issue. He, When you watch these games, he's stand, sitting back there. He's in shotgun like 95% of the time so far this year. He's sitting back there, takes the snap, doesn't move, turns, and then throws it within like two and a half seconds. Their offense is operating in a way that is just not sustainable, and they're trying to make it through these games before the bye week by just getting through. Next couple of weeks, you got Arizona and Seattle. You should be able to at least beat Arizona, although they were plucky last week, I understand. This is a game you got to win. You got to beat Tennessee, who most people agree is not a particularly good team right now. They got destroyed last week against Cleveland, as we all projected. I think the Bengals are the team for me with the most to lose. This is a Super Bowl contender. You can't start the year one and three, man. Uh, mine's the Seahawks. Seahawks lose to the Giants. I'm done with Seattle. And I came into this week, this season thinking that Seattle was going to be a team that could be kind of like Detroit was, where it's like, man, this this offense could lead them. And then the draft that they had defensively, I thought this team could be a really sneaky good team. They have not been that for me. Like their defense has been atrocious. And if you lose to the Giants, your season's pretty much done for if you're Seattle. I think mine's the Cowboys. I mean, they just laid an egg against the Arizona Cardinals. Now you're hosting New England, which I don't think that offense is going to be able to do much against that Cowboys defense, which is awesome. But New England's got a good defense. And if Dak becomes a problem for the Cowboys and New England somehow goes into Dallas and beats the Cowboys, or if it's even, honestly, if it's just competitive and it takes till the end for Dallas to win that football game, Dallas falls right back down from a team that after three we- after two weeks, you were like, wow, look at that team, to wait a minute. They're, they're the same old Cowboys. They're a team that's going to be good, and they're going to find a way to screw things up and get knocked out early in the playoffs. So I think Dallas is the team that has the most to lose this weekend. He's Tanner Hendrickson. That's Alex Ferrario, and I'm Brandon Kylie. Coming up in 15 minutes, we'll get to the BK and Ferrario we- Rewind, projecting the weekend for Adam Wainwright. I was going to say the Wainwright Wainwright. And we want yeah, been doing a little <laughs> too much baby talk at home. Are you going to swink or sim? We're gonna do the that was ball. earlier this week. You can check it on the podcast page, 101ESPN.com by Dobbs Tyrone. It's very difficult, especially True when that. it is your career. Coming Grin. up next, though, we're getting to One's Gotta Go. You give us four options, we'll tell you which one's gotta go here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. He's Alex, that's T-Bone on BK. You got BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. Hey, coming up at the top of the hour today, Fastlane's going to be live at Auto Center's Nissan and Herculaneum for their huge anniversary sale, 750 new and used vehicles, almost every make in stock. It's all discounted and ready for sale. Plus, spin to get an additional $1,000 off and you can register to win a new ATV, the fast lane live this afternoon, Auto Center's Nissan anniversary sale out in Herculaneum. All right, Alex, let's get to one's got to go. One's got to go Halloween candy edition. Reese's, Skittles, Starburst, or M&M's. Which one's got to go? What kind of M&M's? The generic? That's, yeah, original. Okay, so those got to go. What? The generic M&M's are the worst M&M's out of all oh, of them. I was going to get rid I'm of Reese's. caramel M&M guy. I like the caramel. They're not the better. The pretzel and the peanut butter are are the goat. I like the peanut ones also. Peanuts are okay. I would have gotten rid of Reese's uh, peanut butter 
but the generic M&M's suck, so those are going to go. Reese's is the number one pick among all candy. Yeah. No way. Skittles are. Skittles and then really? the Snickers. I would give her Skittles. And oh, then so a you're s- more of a sweet candy as opposed to a chocolate guy. Sneaky. Yeah, but I like Snickers, and then the sneaky good one is the uh, Butterfingers. People don't give oh, her respect no. enough to Butterfingers. Oh, God, you've oh, got yeah. terrible taste. No, yeah. Yeah, those are good. I've never been more ashamed of you. Skittles um, has to be the one that's, go, yeah, that's exactly. going on this. No, Super my God, God. you're insane. Out of these four options, are the these best. are like Skittles do two things. Status. They give Hurt you they give you the fruity flavor and they work your jawline out. And they give you a stomach ache. No, that's all candy, no, Tanner. No, Skittles gotta go. Yeah, I'm not gonna are, touch that one insane. with a ten foot pole. I'll what? just say that. Uh, one's gotta go. Well, you work Way out your jaw. Game edition. Computer, phone, TV, or tablet. Which one's got to go? Game edition, you said? Watching the football Oh, watching. Computer, phone, TV, or tablet. I don't watch anything on a tablet. Um, I don't have anything against it, necessarily. See, I don't watch anything on a computer. Oh, see, that's what I always do. Like, last night, for example, I had the Blues game on my computer, and I had the football game on the See, that's where I go to tablet and phone. Like, computer's the last resort, so, like, when I'm at home and my daughter wants to watch Bubble Guppies on a Sunday when football's on, it's tablet and then it's cell phone. So the, the computer would have to go. I've never watched it on a computer. I would get rid of the phone. Too small. Like a tablet, a little bit bigger. Um, the phone's just too small for hey, me. So sometimes I it's it. not about the hammer. It's the nail you're throwing it at. Yeah, well, tomato, tomato. One's got to go. Adam Wainwright, Milestone Edition. The Carlos Beltran strikeout. His 200th win. Yachty and Wayno combined record. Or his first at-bat ending in a home run. Which one's got to go? It's going to be weird. I'm going to say the 200th win. I, all of the other ones, I think, are... Can I be honest? I don't mean this in a bad way, ladies and gentlemen. The one that nobody's going to talk about 20 years from now is Yachty and Wayno having the combined record. But that's the record that I don't know can ever be broken. I, I agree. And I think it's a cool thing. Like, 200 wins... I think the 200 wins coming in one place, I think that is more unbreakable than his win with Yachty, or his win record with Yachty, yeah. potentially. I still I think the, both are incredibly the, unlikely. The but. moment, though, is going to be talked about more than the 200th win. I would say in 10 years, people won't remember who Wayno got the 200th win against. Oh, I disagree. And yeah. I think everybody can still remember like that Milwaukee and or that um, the Yachty and, and Molina moment. Really? Really? Who, I feel like people they, remember wait, because the, the complete game here, that well, Wayno had is, in COVID. The, here's the question for me. Who did he get that? Who they set that record against? Wayno and Yachty. It was Cincinnati, wasn't it? Well, I don't. Know. I genuinely don't. That's remember. why. That's I why. Like, it was at the game, and I don't remember who the opponent that, that's was. Why, that's why I think thought that one will be forgotten. That's why I would say that's the one that's got to go. Because I agree, it's unbreakable. But 200 wins with one club is pretty special, and not a lot of guys are going to do that. Because we talked about it when he did it. I mean, there's what, like maybe 10 teams that you could even do that for. Most teams won't pay their players to be around that long. So I believe it. Let's get rid of the Beltron strikeout. Wasn't that good? Amen. <laughs> I don't remember that one at all. <laughs> That was sarcasm, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, I generally don't. And if you don't, don't hear that tone, well, because what, you were four? Six. Okay. Actually, I probably just turned seven. It was the Giants, by the way. Okay. Yeah. No I, still think, I still think that moment was cool. It doesn't matter the team. It was the cool moment between both of them. Yeah. I, I like that one more than I just, maybe the season just tampers the 200 wins. Uh, One's got to go. Cardinals edition. Edmund, Donovan, Carlson, Agorman. Edmund Donovan Carlson Gorman, which Easy. one's got to go? Carlson. Yeah, it's like Carlson. He lost his job to Palacios. 
I, I think that's going to be a because I don't think they can trade him. Richie P looks awesome this offseason because he's having ankle surgery. I think that's going to be the biggest battle in camp. Going I think into he's going to be right in the now. minors to start the season. I <laughs> I think the loser of that is going to be starting in the minors, and I think there's a chance that Carlson's that Carlson. guy. Unless he has um, an incredible offseason healing and. And unless they training. trade Burley. If they trade Burley, then I think Palacios and Carlos can be on the same roster. Yeah, if they trade if Burley, they then they're going to convince themselves that Tyler O'Neill is good for the team next year. Oh, God. Um, if they don't trade Burley or O'Neill or both, <laughs> then it's a battle between Palacios and Carlson. Palacios has the chance to hit the same amount of home runs in way fewer games than as Carlson did this year. Hey. I think that made sense. <clears throat> I think it's Carlson, but it's... I don't think we should sleep on the Edmund piece of this because of... Are you going off of trade value or are you going off of necessity to the yeah. team? Trade, trade value, value, I'd go Gorman. <laughs> oh, see, like, I, I'm combining all of it. Oh. I'm combining what they bring to the team, how other teams would value them, and I think you can make a case. Like, I'm not... I, I would not trade Donovan or Gorman. I would look at Carlson and Edmund as the two trade chips from this group of players. And I think of those two, Edmund's the one that would have more value because teams could view him regardless of what you need. You need a second baseman, Edmund can do it. You need a shortstop, Edmund's got you. You need a center fielder, Edmund can do that as well. I think a lot of teams could use a player like him. I just got rid of the least talented player. That's how I did it. Gorman? No, Carlson. (laughs) Coming up next. What? That stupid look. We're going to hit the BK and Ferrario <laughs> rewind by discussing what we're most looking forward to in the Adam Wainwright weekend palooza here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the BK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Let's run it back with a daily rewind on BK and Ferrario. Brought to you by Stewart's American Mortgage. Google the bagel loan. Featuring zero fees and zero closing costs. on BK. Alex, I will be at the Cardinals game on Sunday. Baby boy's going to his first ever Cardinals game. It will be the final appearance, I think, by Adam Wainwright. If you guys had to guess today, do you think Wayno will hit in the game on Sunday? I don't know how if his ribs are protruding from his like skin. It's fine. He'll figure it out. I think I think he's he'll a warrior. Get, I think he'll get an at bat. I don't think he's gonna swing the bat. I, I don't know say, if he can. I think he'll get an at bat. They'll just announce him and then they'll yeah. take pull him back. Or they'll, they'll, like, or, or or they'll, they'll just help to stand up there. Yeah. Yeah, just stand and watch the pitch. And the Reds will send a message and drill him. Or <laughs> right in the rib cage. I'm sorry. Yeah. I don't think it's gonna. <laughs> you're a monster, but that would be amazing. I, I wish you saw BK's reaction. I hope you're watching on YouTube at 101 ESPN STL. I believe you just said that. You're a, I, I a hero, man. You're a monster. I don't think they're gonna do it, but, but there's a mound you, you charge. You think that they're gonna do it to the guy that the entire weekend is centered around? They're... They're gonna be the guy him. who's having a concert on Saturday. That would be quite gonna a way to go like Saturday afternoon. He he has that, and then like that evening he's doing the concert. That's what oh, I judge when I drill him. <laughs> so what a monster! The Cardinals Sorry. are all in on the Wayno Palooza going into the weekend. Well, as they should be. That's called a money, money, money tonight. Fans can sign two seven-foot-tall thank-you cards that will be available in the Budweiser Terrace, so Wayno thank-you card will be available. 
There's a Wayno t-shirt giveaway tonight. It's a forever in the Wayno era t-shirt. And there's a 50-50 early bird prize pack that is going to be made available tonight as well. Like a Bob Evans early bird special? Basically. Bacon and eggs. On Saturday at the game, there will still be the Wayno thank you card available if you would like to sign that in the uh, Budweiser Terrace. They had that for Yachty and Pujols last year. They've got a post-game Wayno concert. Yeehaw. Woo, buddy. And then on Sunday, it's the Wayno guitar giveaway. I do kind of want that. Are they like actual guitars? They're very small. So they're tiny. Okay, because Katie asked me, she goes, are they like real guitars? They're going to be giving away (laughs) 25,000 guitars. Katie saw it and she goes, are they going to? I said, I doubt they're actually going to be giving out these realistic guitars. I've always wanted a ukulele, so I would love to get one of those. I think it's smaller than a ukulele. I don't care. I want it. It's like a a souvenir size. it's, It's bigger than that. Oh, okay. It's not. It's not like this big. It'll be no. big enough for Luca to play. Yeah, exactly. No, it's big enough for an adult to play. No, no. You're going Sunday, right? Stop doing it's these hand gestures. It's two feet, so it's like no, no, like it's that. not. It's bigger. Stop doing these hand gestures. Will you get? Will you get a guitar for us? It's the first twenty-five thousand uh, fans. Luca's ineligible because age sixteen and older. Oh, well, just tell him he's sixteen. He's just tiny for his age. <laughs> no, I wasn't Very saying like Tanner. Uh, yeah, you, and then there's a pregame ceremony as well on Sunday, which should genuinely be yeah. really cool um that's going to be held on the field at 1 30 they actually moved back this game a little bit because they wanted time for oh. the pregame ceremony um so while it's 90 degrees outside we're going to start this one at 2 15 <laughs> beautiful on fall day welcome to october <laughs> this is october baseball is this the only game if you could only late? attend one thing if you could get the t-shirt giveaway you get to go to the concert you get the pregame ceremony plus the guitar giveaway which one are you on probably the guitar giveaway same because it's a realist, realistic guitar, and I can learn to play guitar on it. Yeah, that's what I would want. I, I, can I be honest? I don't want to see the concert. It's, yeah, kind I, of the I, same. I, everything they're doing this weekend I, is cool. I think the concert's a bit too much. Hot take. I, think, I get it. I don't think it's too much. Happy I think weekend. it's weird. That's that's my only thing. Yeah. That's my I'm with thing. you. It's just, it seems and for, odd. And by the way, for someone that said, I don't want the attention on me to, while in my final season... You knew better than oh, that. Anybody is, that fell for that know, crap. Is Again, this wasn't Wayno. Know, this was this was the Dewitts. No, yeah. this is also Wayno. I, I and again, he's earned it. Yeah, I'm not I, even I, saying it's wrong. Like, I agree if, with I, that. if I had the career that Wayno had, and I never will in any capacity in any aspect of my life, but I would also be expecting something like this. I think it's really cool that they're doing this. Now, the concert thing is not for me. I won't be attending. I won't be watching. It's just not for me, right? Is it available to watch? Like, or is like Bally's carrying it or I something? I have no idea. But like that, that is not something that is Doubt going it, to, right? it, it never was going to appeal to me. It does not appeal to me. There's probably a decent segment of our audience right now that is saying to themselves, man, that's really cool. Like, I want to be there for that, you know? But what if he it's sings? first ever, like, massive but what audience. if he sings Friends in Low Places? Well, then obviously oh. I would want to be there. It's like a wedding song, you know, when everybody starts singing along. He'll probably do it. one cover. If he could do one cover, what do you think he would do? Georgia. He's a big country. Oh, that would be good. <laughs> it's got to be something Garth Brooks. Cardinals win on Sunday. One more for the no for the way now. No, that's going to be a that's going to be a ninth inning. That's going to be a ninth inning loss or something. No, um, they're not winning a game. I bet series. you it's something. He's going to cover some type of Luke Bryan song because he likes okay. Luke Bryan. He and him are buddies. What's so. his? I don't know what his song is because every starter has a song that they run out to the field for or what you do when you have an at bat. You know, I like know Shelton, right? 
I never think know. It is. Uh, the I, only I one, think he would cover that song. The only one that I've always known is Matt Carpenter's because I just never know the lyrics. Oh. Well, I got me a girl. That's the only thing well, I know about it. He's not here this weekend. For well, Alex and sure? Tebow and I'm BK, no. please root for my bets this weekend and no. root like no. hell against Tanner's bets. That's the guy that we need to lose this weekend. It'd be true. an all-time collapse. That is true. So for the three of us, we'll talk to you guys on Monday at 11 a.m. The Fast Lane coming up next here on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to the BK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.